This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? It is the Monty Show on December 1st. What? Yeah, I said it's December 1st, 2022, just 25 days until Christ Mass uh, arrives on the scene. Uh, We have a big show for you as always today, the Utah Jazz won. Yes, the, the Utah Jazz are still capable of winning games. Isn't that exciting, Jake? It is very they, much the, so. The, U, the Utah Jazz, they yeah, win games. The jazz. Right. The jazz. Now are the Utah Jazz going to trade for a good big man that makes a lot of money? Should they? We'll give you a name and tell you what's up with that. Should Jerry Jones be treated the same as Kyrie Irving? LeBron James says so. But is LeBron James? Do you do you care what LeBron says? When LeBron speaks, unless he's speaking about the Utah Jazz, do you care what LeBron has to say? I do. I, I mean, I think we've talked on this show numerous times about how LeBron has a responsibility, and I think he fulfilled his responsibility okay. in this particular example. I don't. It doesn't seem like many people care, but we'll talk about that. The Rose Bowl is in, on board with a new 12-team college football playoff. Do you care about the Rose Bowl? Is the Rose Bowl still... The granddaddy of them all. Does it matter? I have this. I'm kind of hung up on this thing about the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, is the Rose Bowl that significant? And I would say I, I don't know that it is. I really don't know that it is. But we'll talk about all that on the Monty Show presented by The Advocates. Make sure you find them online, theadvocates.com. All of our listeners in Phoenix, congratulations. The Advocates just opened a new office right there in Phoenix. The best injury attorneys in the business are ready to serve the Valley of the Sun. You already know that the advocates are the best injury attorneys in Utah. Well, now they have an office in Arizona as well. And I'm telling you, with all of the crazy weather, you know what happens. People start driving distracted. People are on their phones. People are not paying attention. If you get into a wreck... You need attorneys. You need somebody that's going to fight for you. And I'm not talking about your your insurance company because they're fighting for themselves. The advocates, they're going to fight for you because they understand that when you get in an accident, it's one of the worst moments in your life. Sometimes you're not thinking clearly. You should be focused on getting your life back. Let the advocates fight for you. And the best part is you don't pay the advocates. So there's no big retainers. There's no consultation fees. No, you don't pay the advocates unless and until they win your case. That's how good they are. They're not going to take a dime of your money until they win your case. Check them out online right now. You can chat with them for free on their website, theadvocates.com. Where do we start, Jake? I think obviously it's Utah Jazz. Hey, the Jazz won a game last night. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? 125 to 112. Jordan Clarkson has a big performance uh, for the Jazz last night with 33 points. Shot it well from three. But there was one thing that I think certainly JC and the rest of the Jazz did that I thought really made a big difference in this game. They played with pace. 
And one of the things I think that we have seen during this stretch of games where the Jazz have lost is they've lost these games by like a bucket or two, a possession or two. And a lot of the times I've been talking on the show about how I feel like the Jazz are playing slow basketball. And it's been interesting to see them walk the ball up. It's been interesting to see them not trigger their offense until very, very deep into the shot clock with 10 seconds to go. Now we're making a pass to get the offense started. It's been really interesting to see that. And I think it's been a big part of why they have failed to consistently score when a bucket was needed. Last night, I think we saw a different philosophy. I think we saw Colin Sexton getting after it, getting up the floor. I think we saw them triggering the offense, you know, at 18, 17, 16 seconds left on the shot clock, which is a huge difference. I loved what I saw, Jake, and I think that pace is critical to their success. Absolutely, and I and I think it's it, it, your, your point is even more well taken when when you you have Mike Conley not playing basketball. Like you can get away with trying to play half court basketball when you've got a veteran point guard to initiate you on time. But when you don't have that, you do need to play with pace and you do need to use your speed to your advantage. And I think, you know, the Utah Jazz are a team that, you know, had a lot of success early in the season playing fast and they got away from that a bit. They played a lot of slow basketball. They tried to beat you in the half court and that didn't really that didn't really work out too much. And I also think that when they play fast, they are able to build momentum pretty quickly, especially when you're playing at home. And I, and I think that that the Utah Jazz are our team that that needs to utilize pace every single night because when they do that they're much uh it's much harder to stop them and and I think obviously inside of any NBA basketball game you're going to have you know sections or or portions of the game where it's a slower pace that's that's just how the game works but when it's fast paced and and you can be intentional about trying to get the ball up the floor and and as you said getting into the offense earlier in the shot clock that's going to help you because you, you you you're not in a rush. You're not trapped by the shot clock. You're not allowing the defense to force you into a bad shot because you waited till 13 seconds or 12 seconds to get into your offense because you took forever to walk it up the floor. So yeah, I mean, I they definitely played with pace last night. I also liked how they shot it from three. You know, again, oh, we, yeah. we always give you that benchmark number, 40%. You know, I think they were 43% last night. Like, they had some yeah, nice numbers. Yeah, 14 of 32, 43.8%. Yeah, so, I mean, you shot it well last night, and, and you know, you, you handled business. And, and I think this word that, again, I feel like I say this almost every day, like consistency for the Jazz is what they're struggling with. And, and you almost expect that out of a young team. You know, you almost expect, like, hey, yeah, they're going to go through a five-game stretch where they play slow basketball, and it's just how it's going to be, and then they're going to snap out of it one game against uh, the Clippers, and now we're right back on the right track. So what does the next game look like? That That's kind of how it goes for this team. Yeah, and I think it's interesting when you look at the different dynamics at play right now. Obviously, I, I, I know you've talked a lot about Mike Conley and, and the importance of him to this offense, but I also think this is a really important growth spurt for Colin Sexton. And I think you're starting to see him play much, much more in the way that Will Hardy wanted him to play. And I think that's a really important thing for the Utah Jazz because I think as this roster comes together and you start to understand who's going to be here and who's not and who's important to this team, I think when you look at a guy like Colin Sexton, I think he's actually very important to this team. He's a young point guard. He can get up and down the floor. I was really impressed. You talked about shooting threes last night. His shot selection was actually much better. Colin Sexton last night, 
31 minutes, only takes two three-pointers, makes one of them, but he gives them 21 points off the bench and more to that. I thought that the six dimes and the six boards were just as important as any of the points he scored. Thanks. So I feel like you're seeing a more mature version. Now, I don't love the turnovers because Colin Sexton Man. still has a habit of, of just creating stupid situations that lead to turnovers. There's just no reason for that. But he's a young guy that's carrying a lot of responsibility for a basketball team, maybe in for the first time in his basketball mind, he understands the gravity of his performance to this team. Because let's be honest, if Colin Sexton does not play well, the Utah Jazz are probably not winning games. Mm -hmm. If he has a, you know, a really bad night, they're probably not going to win games, especially with Mike Conley out of the lineup. So I thought that was really important. But the pace of play thing, man, I think it matters because it allows guys like Jordan Clarkson to play that free phonetic frenetic style of basketball that he really thrives in. And I think that's why Jordan Clarkson has a big game last night. Now, to your point, I don't think it hurts at all uh, that that Jordan Clarkson is five of nine from three last yeah. night. I think very clearly that that helps. And a lot of those were in transition too. Like Jordan had one yes. of those games where, you know, they were getting up the floor and a lot of those were just like top of the key or just off the top of the key threes in transition and it was going in. And I think that... Our, what? Go ahead. Good morning. Wow, that Hi. was man. How 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 is this? Go ahead, please, please. Excellent. It's pretty good, huh? That's good. Yeah, not anyway. as good as a four X gold that James Knight owns. That yeah, owes us, but yeah. whatever. Well, and he's already in the chat, but that's is fine. he really? Yeah, he is right there. Okay, there yeah. he is. Good morning, James. Salty drunk. Does this mean Will Hardy can coach again? Nah, he sucks. Nah, he's terrible. They should fire him. <laughs> they should. Some shit happened. Good to see you, James. Um, but anyway, my point is, I think it allows them to play that free-flowing, frenetic style. I think right now, based on the you know the the way that this team is constructed, I think that's where they're going to thrive. Well, and by the way, it should also be said when two of the best two-way players in the NBA are not playing last night for the Clippers. Nah, but don't do that. You should play with Pay. Nah, but don't no, do that. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not handicapping. Nah, because you're open the door. Wait, you're opening wait, the door, man. Dude, wait. I'm not handicapping the win. Don't what, do it. I was. What I was gonna say is that when those guys aren't playing, you should take advantage of that. You should get out and run. You should try to penetrate the paint. You should try to play with pace. Why are you hating, dude? It's a weak-ass take. It's not. It is not. It's not a weak-ass take. It's the reality were of the you, situation. Were you deep into the Twitterverse last night? No. Because I saw this no. a lot on Twitter. Well, the only reason they won the game, the but only I'm reason they won the game that. is because they won the game. I'm not saying that. I am not saying that. Right? Like, I didn't. I didn't just say that, did I? That's what I heard. Well, you heard wrong. Well, no, I should yeah. rephrase. That's what I chose to hear. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're saying that specifically, but I always hate that. That's like a pet peeve. Yeah, of mine. I hate it too. When I people are like, like oh, wow, if your mom had played last night, you know. Well, they won the game because they made more shots. They played with pace. And I think, again, any team in the league, like, like I don't care what team you want to use, if their best players aren't playing, you need to take advantage of that. It's, it is literally like attrition in the NBA <laughs> – off nights for stars or guys being hurt or whatever. Yep. Like, that's part of the game. So if I'm Will Hardy looking at this game last night before tip-off, I'm saying, yeah, hey, by the way, this is a big opportunity for us. They're down, Paul George and Kawhi, not our problem. That's an opportunity. We should get yeah. out and run. We should push the yeah. pace. Like I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with Gage Carter, too. He says, fire Ainge and Hardy, cut J.C., Conley, and Laurie. Hey, you start talking shit. <laughs> See, James Knight, see what you do. 
See what you do. By the way, real quick, we owe Mark Hale an apology. He says, crap, the opening of the can scared me. I had to turn around. I thought someone else had come into the kitchen. My bad. (laughs) My bad. My bad. Uh, Jesse Harsh says, happy Thursday, boys. Hey, if the Jazz make the play-in tournament, would you consider that a successful year for Hardy? I would. Yeah, I I actually would. I actually would. I I don't know what you think, Jake, but I think if, if you make the playoffs... I think if you can win between 35 and 40 games, successful season. I don't care if you make the tournament or not. Yeah. I think if you make the playoffs, yeah, unequivocally, that's a successful year. I think I could argue that making the playoffs makes Will Hardy the coach of the year. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, again, again, not to be repetitive, don't forget where the expectations were to start the year. Like, you can't forget that. It matters. The expectations were that this team was going to be a tanking team, a terrible team, a 20-win team, maybe if they were lucky. Like, that would have been a good year before, you know, tip-off on opening night. So, to me, I mean, if you were to find your way into the play-in, and let's just say oh, man. you were to find a way to win one game in the play-in, I mean, at that you couldn't ask for much better than that. Honestly, like, I, I think that'd be a hell of a year. Uh, and, and I agree. I think it's one of those things where when you look at what Will Hardy's brought to this bench, again, Look at Nikhil Alexander-Walker last night, contributing valuable minutes, good production. Like, you're seeing Will Hardy's impact on these younger players, and I think what you're seeing is a significantly higher level of accountability than you have with Quinn Snyder. One of the things we told you is the locker room really resented the fact that there was zero accountability from the coaching staff to the players last year. That was a big narrative that we heard from a lot of different people. And I think one of the things that we've heard this year is there's a high level of accountability. Again, Colin Sexton and Will Hardy getting into that exchange on the bench a couple of weeks ago now has made a significant difference in what we're seeing from Colin Sexton on the floor. And I think that really matters. Mm-hmm. And I, I I also think you're seeing that with Nikhil Alexander-Walker. We saw it the other night at the Bulls game where Will Hardy chewed, it, chewed out Nikhil Alexander-Walker for a really yes. bad sequence. But did he take him out of the game and leave him on the end of the bench? He didn't. He kept him in the game, and he gave NAW a chance to feel good about himself. And that clearly, I think, paid dividends uh, for Walker because you're seeing him contribute really important minutes for the Jazz now. And I think, you know, when you look at the way Will Hardy's impacted this team, I think that's probably the most important impact he's made. Now, he hasn't been perfect, and we've talked a lot about the fact that I really don't like his rotations. I don't like a lot of lineup combinations that we're seeing from from Will Hardy. But at the end of the day, he's learning this team as much as they're learning him. Mm-hmm. Will Hardy is learning on the job. That's why he got, what, a five-year contract. And I don't have any problem with that. I don't think that Will Hardy's done a bad job. But I also think that Will Hardy's been part of the issue and why they're losing so many games of late. But last night, I thought he did a far better job of putting the right guys in the in the right place for this team to win the game. And I think we certainly saw that there was a more concerted effort to play with pace, to get the ball over the timeline, to get the offense started sooner so that you're not running into situations where THT's taking a wild three because you're two seconds on the shot clock. That's what's been hurting this team. And again, I think we'll have this conversation at the All-Star break, but are they a better team today than they were when the season started? I think they are. The injuries are really unfortunate. I think Mike Conley being hurt really kind of turn the, you know, turn the light off on this team. And they're trying to have to, you know, fight their way back to the to the top of their performance because they really miss Mike. But I think you're going to have to learn to live without Mike because as guys get older and Mike Conley again is a guy that's always been hurt, 
You need Colin Sexton. You need to kill Alexander Walker to step up and play significant minutes. You need you need a guy like Jordan Clarkson to step in and play heavy minutes and give you good production. You need Malik Beasley to keep shooting threes, right? Like the, again, I think one of the most important contributions last night was Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think Vando played some big minutes. That alley-oop, frankly, was a was a big deal because I thought it captured a lot of momentum. You look at Vando's numbers, only 25 minutes. That's a pretty good allotment of minutes, in my opinion, for a guy that's very limited offensively, right? But 7 of 10 from the floor, 0 of 1 from 3, 12 boards, 2 dimes, 2 steals. Like, those are big minutes yeah, to get. Double -double. You know, 14 points is, yeah. a, is a big deal. I also look at Walker Kessler last night, 22 minutes, 2 of 3 from the floor, four rebounds, but four block shots. Yeah. That's a big deal. And what is he also, I think one of the important guys to look at is, is Walker Kessler because what are we seeing in development from him? Fewer turnovers now. And this is in a very short amount of time. Now, he's still going to bring the ball down. We talked about this with the Azubuki the other day. Yeah. Like one of the major problems that big guys have in this league is they want to bring the ball below their shoulders and it eliminates their height advantage. Well, I think we've seen that with Walker quite a bit where he's brought the ball down and it's been turnover city. Yeah. We're starting to see him now play with those elbows out and that ball high in the air, which helps him protect it. I don't know, Jake. I <coughs> Hello. Hello. I think we've seen a lot of development early on in this season from this team. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying there. Uh, several of those points. And I think, you know, in interesting just tidbit from last night that I noticed was you know, you have Nikhil Alexander-Walker last night coming off the bench before THT, which is definitely a switch, right? THT was, had been coming off the bench before uh, Alexander-Walker up until this point. And I think it's really interesting the level of effort that Will Hardy's putting in to, to NAW because I think he can be a serviceable NBA player, but he this is what it's going to take. Like, you're going to have to yeah, give I him would those agree minutes. Like, you're going to yeah. have to watch him turn it over and take bad shots. But I also mistakes. think THT is a matchup player. True, yeah. He has to be. He works against the Bulls because the Bulls aren't physical. Right. He doesn't yeah. work against the, the Clippers necessarily. Because they're a physical-ass team. And well, and but I also think you know NAW needs minutes against teams where you're where you're a trying to play a pace. Not the THT plays slow because I'm not saying that. Yeah. But when you're trying to play at a higher pace and you're trying to shoot more threes, I think I think if you can get NAW to give you a a, a really good 15 minutes, and Talon Horton Tucker is a DNP last night. I have no problem with that. Well, and you think about you think about NAW's path in the NBA so far. Remember where this guy came from. He came from New Orleans. Well, we know before this incarnation of the New Orleans Pelicans existed, what were they? Well, they were a young team that was playing with a lot of pace. They were just a get up and down, see what we can create kind of team. So when he when they when they made that trade, when Zanuck you know picked him up. Like you, you, you think about a guy in in NAW who now has had a, a coaching change, didn't really play at all under yeah. Quinn. Now is getting some run here under under Will, and I think it's taken advantage of it. I mean, obviously not perfect, not great A, but I, I I don't think he's played horrible, and I I like his energy. I also like his frame. He is a long, lanky guy out there on the floor. And if he ever figures out how to play really good defense, he's going to get his 15, 20-minute-a-night run every single night. Well, and he's only 24 years old, and he just turned 24 years old in the fall. So I'm, I, I like it a lot. I like a lot of what we've seen.
Um, so yeah, I'd absolutely, uh, I, I, I think if, if you're a jazz fan this morning, you got to feel good. Can I Johnson says top of the morning, fellas, what's up? My guy says, uh, it felt good to see the jazz have fun. Good win. It yeah. did feel good. This was a game you enjoyed watching. You didn't enjoy watching the bulls game. Cause you never felt like they were going to win that game, especially in the second half. Right. But against the Clippers, you felt like they were in control of the game. Even when the Clippers made that run and the league goes away. You're like, well, yeah, but you know, this was this was stupidity or mistakes, or yeah. you felt like the Jazz were in position to win that game. Now Colton Bitten rolls in here and I think makes the point of the morning so far. <laughs> Fifty one points in three quarters. How much oil did you use last night? Oh man, dude, my forearm is tired. Was it? Oh. My forearm is tired. Dude. Edgar Garcia says, morning, players. What's up? Cody Strickland, good morning to you. Good morning, man. Baby almost here. Set a date uh, for December 28th. Another Monty fan being born. Much needed win last Let's night. Let's go. I wish you and, and the Mrs. Strickland very well. Jesse Harsh says, uh, Booker doing his best Kobe impression last night. I'm telling for you. For real, though, dude. But I'm telling you, Devin Booker and Jason Tatum are pulling away. <laughs> real though bro <laughs> like those two guys are pulling away they and are. you look at the way jt played last night hey good game you look at the way devin booker played for three quarters last night he's an assassin that is i think that is arguably the best quarter i have ever seen devin booker play in the third he shot 20 of 25 for the night that's 80 percent. that was a historically good performance out of devin yeah. booker last night but what what would you give to have that skill set, the Tatum skill set, the Donnie skill set on this roster right now? This would be a 50-win team with a superstar like that. I want it. Because I think, listen, as, as limited as some of these guys are, yeah, as limited as a Vando or an Olenek are, as limited as I think Malik Beasley is, they all do certain things really well. Like Beasley shoots 40% from three. Olenek's a banger. He gets under your skin, right? Vando's a guy that can defend and rebound for you. If you surround a guy like Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, you surround them with, with those guys, you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win a lot of games because you already defend pretty well. Mm -hmm. And now if you bring up THT and if you bring up Nikhil Alexander-Walker and you, you – you put all this together in a melting pot and you spit out a 50-win team. And I, I, man, if you did not enjoy Devin Booker last night, you're just not a basketball fan. You're not. Yeah. Uh, San Diego State says booking 51 points in three quarters makes this a good sun shining morning indeed. So see what he did there? See what he did there? Sun so shining sun, morning. Sun's, you know, sun's basketball, but sun shining and it's morning. Like, you it kind of all works together. I'm telling you, man. That's my dude. And it feels good because Book has had some really mediocre moments over I the last. During, since the finals, he's had some. Because let's be honest, he was not good in the NBA finals. Yeah. And it's not like he tore up the Olympic tournament. He's had some really mediocre moments. This was not one of them. And this year, well, hell, he scored 49 against the, the Jazz. Yeah, I mean, he's having Man. a hell of a season. There's no I'm, way around it. I'm in, telling you. You know, in the vaunted pre-show meeting Ooh. behind the scenes, uh, I said, and I'm happy to say it again, 
The guy doesn't have anything left to prove outside of winning a championship. Like, everyone knows what he's capable of. He's yes. going to have his good seasons. He's going to have his average seasons. He needs to win something now. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm excited about it. I, I, the, the guy is a stud. Troy Cushing, good morning to you. How the heck are you, my friend? Um, San Diego State says the Suns handicapped themselves last night. Booker with 51 and only three quarters on 80% shooting. Crack open another can. Go for that. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, three quarters, he shot 80% and had 51 points. That, I mean, it's one of the best performances in recent memory. Honest to God. Uh, honest to God. Ron Nolan says, I'm gassing up. Vegas time. Go Utes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Get in the car, baby. Yeah, we'll have a full preview of Utes and USC tomorrow on the show for you. Uh, Salty Drunk says, I believe Quinn Snyder coached the Jazz, didn't get out and run enough. How many times did we see Don just walking the ball up and playing slow? Yeah. And I think that's why that era, and you're going to hate me saying this, Salty Drunk, but the, the Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, walk it up the floor. Bogey. You know, like that's not that's not going to get the job done. Yeah, bogey, bogey. for sure. Right? That's just not going to get the job done at all. Uh, let's see. Boratin Design says, I think NAW is a good defender, similar to Wiggins' kind of defense. I think he can make it difficult for some fast guards. Yeah. Which is why I think you saw him play and THT not play. Yeah. Which, it, it, again, Which I think it's a great point by compete. you. Like, I, I think I, I love that aspect of how Will Hardy's handling this. Like, I, I think on a lot of NBA teams, especially young ones, you just play the same way every single night, no matter what the matchup is. You're just going to, okay, oh, there's eight minutes left in the first. Hey, uh, THT, put your shoes on, bud. Time to go in the game, right? And that's not what Will Hardy's doing. Like, no. there are obviously some, you know, there's some structure around rotations and when guys are going to come in, but I think he's allowing these guys to compete. And I think when you do that to guys, you get their best. And, and that's what it should be every single night. You know, it's funny, uh, Marcus is DMing me on Twitter, which I don't know the why DM's you're... The DM's vanishing mode. I don't know. By the way, if another person... Yesterday, some... And, and honestly, my DMs are open on Twitter. Right. Okay, so anybody can DM me. Right. So I don't know why you don't use Twitter to DM me. The people who use vanishing mode, I just... You're sending me messages I cannot read. Vanishing mode like turns on in like three seconds. Yeah, it, people are not smart. People are not smart. Salty Drunk says, book looks like CP3 from the elbow now. He has a smoking mid-range game. Yeah. I think Kevin Durant, <coughs> excuse me. I think Kevin Durant is the best mid-range player in the world. Yeah. But I think that this league is a mid-range league now. You look at Donovan Mitchell, who, again... Yeah. Ah, dude, say He's it. He's an MVP say candidate. It. Yep. He's averaging 30 points a game. Yep. I think Donovan Mitchell's the big change he's made is now he's effective and he doesn't turn the ball over in the mid-range. You look at Devin Booker the last three years since CP3 got there, he's had that free throw line extended. He's got the baseline. Like he very seriously has, has picked up Kobe moves. Like he's got that turnaround fadeaway now that really legitimized Kobe as the best player of his generation. Like, I'm telling you, Devin Booker's a killer. Yeah, I, mean, and I think all the best teams have that mid-range killer. You and, have to. And, and I think, you I, have honestly, to. <clears throat> I think the only reason Kevin Durant is, is the best mid-range player in the league and potentially the best mid-range player the league's ever seen is because of his size, which you can't teach, right? Like, you can't teach 6'10 with that handle. You can't with nope. that touch. No, like, you can't. 
So if you're Devin Booker, if you're Donovan Mitchell, if you're Jason Tatum, you're 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 balling. You're you're doing the absolute best you can do. And 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 I almost feel like it's unfair to compare these guys to Kevin Durant because they're Kevin has something that you can't teach, and that's okay. And I think Devin Booker has caught a lot of flack. I know there are some people on this show who hate on Book constantly, and and I think the guy, which is fine, which is fine, yeah, it's fine. But I, I'm here to tell you that if they if he wins a championship in Phoenix, that will be a huge deal, huge deal. Oh my god! I, I mean, I can't even. I, I can't even. I can't even. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. What you, I, I, I don't even know if he wins a championship in Phoenix. Forget it. Like it. it the minute that you it, and I'll even say if they get back to the finals and he's a huge contributor in the in the the Western Conference finals and the NBA finals. Forget it. He's going to be unstoppable. I'm for real. But dude, you put a ring on his finger. He is going to have, I think, a Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer now. He would have an all-time great career. You put one on his finger, my guess is he wins three or four. I'm for real. Because it's just going to, it takes guys like that to the next level. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm struggling a little bit with the frogginess. Yeah. It's a little cold out today. It's windy out today. A little windy out today. Here in Salt Lake City. Uh, and thanks for watching the show. No matter where you're watching from, we always love having you guys on board. And no matter where you're watching from, you should get to trydaytrading.com. Slash Monty. Anytime we're talking the NBA or the Utah Jazz, you know it's TridayTrading.com. Slash Monty, uh, hook it up. They bring you Jazz Talk on the show. And again, we're at this time in space now. It's December. You're looking forward to 2023, right? Look at guys like Cody Strickland talking about having a baby. How many listeners have said, hey, I got a new baby? Do what's got to be done to make sure that 2023 is the best financial year you've ever had. You can do that right now for free by going to trydaytrading.com slash Monty and watching the free webinar. That's all we're asking you to do. Understand what day trading is. I think there's a lot of people who don't understand how to leverage day trading to make hundreds and thousands of dollars a day. I said thousands of dollars a day, right? Today is the 1st of December. You've got 20 trading days left, let's say. If I said to you in December that you could make Ten to $20,000 day trading. Would you be interested? Of course you'd be interested. Because right now today, if I said to you, are you going to make $10,000 this month at your job? Are you going to make $20,000 this month at your job? The answer is probably no, you're not. And what I'm telling you is if you're not, you have to look at this. If you hate your boss, if you're like, man, do I need a new job? Well, TridayTrading.com slash Monty. I can't go into work today. I'm just going to call in sick. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Stop wondering and start doing. Start building the life you've always thought about. You know, it's Christmas time. If you're struggling to provide for your family, TridayTrading.com slash Monty. It's, it's not rocket science. It's not going to cost you anything to go and watch a free webinar. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. All I want you to do is watch the webinar and then... Let, feel how it impacts you. How excited are you? How interested are you? Because I haven't seen a single person go and watch that webinar and not be interested, not be excited. That's what's so great about Triday Trading. Uh, TridayTrading.com slash Monty brings you Utah Jazz Talk right here on the Monty Show. Salty Drunk says, KD is almost a foot taller than Book, Don, and JT, which allows him to shoot over guys really easily. Yeah. But it's not even that he's, he's got the, the height. When Kevin Durant is on, the, he doesn't hit anything but net. He's not the guy that rattles the ball through the hole. Like, 
It is his ability to get to any spot on the floor that he wants and make a shot from there. That's every day. Contested or uncontested, that's what really separates him. Yeah. You know, uh, Boyd Lake, good morning to you, sir. He says, personal life matters. Booker feeling, quote, unquote, lighter these days. Well, you know. Kardashian curse is real. He breaks up with, uh, who was it, Kendall Jenner? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, the guy's Um, balling out like there's nobody's business. Yeah. Colton Bitten, let's talk about Gobert's big game, one rebound. Didn't he have nine points in, like, one board? Don't you know who I am? Yeah, and how about my guy Jalen Noel? Huh? Huh? What'd I tell you about that guy? What'd I tell you about that cat? Jalen Noel last night for the T-Wolves, 31 minutes, 24 points. And, by the way, now no Carl Anthony Towns. So Rui should have huge nights, right? No. But Ant did. Anthony Edwards last night, head-to-head with John Morant, and he won. And the Timberwolves actually won the game 109-101. Anthony Edwards last night, 10 of 18 from the floor, 7 of 7 from the line. Yeah. Three boards, five dimes, five steals, three blocks, 29 points. Savage. My God. Savage. But again, what are we seeing? We're seeing guys that Devin Booker, on nights where the three's not going down, the free throws are. Yeah. Like he's building big nights. Donnie. That's what I'm saying. They have more resources. They have more ways yeah, to beat you. So it's not just like, like Donnie is an example. When he was with the Jazz, the three ball wasn't going in. It was going to be a long night. Yeah. Right. So now he he has the ability to beat you from mid range and to beat you from the line. Yep. The macho man. The macho man. Oh yeah. Says who cares about Gobert? He plays for the Timberwolves. Best trade the Jazz ever made. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling wait, you, man. I thought Rudy was one of the best players the Jazz have ever had. Like the in macho their history. man. Nailed ever. It. By the way, this was a big topic on Twitter last night, and I appreciate you guys tweeting at me about betting on the game. So uh, a friend of mine reached out to me and was like, hey, I want to bet the Jazz tonight <coughs> against the Clippers. <coughs> I was like, bro, can't Dude, do it. don't be dumb. Can't do it. I straight up said to him, can't do it. And he's like, all right, so I'll take the Clippers on the money line. Dilly, like, dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Nah, bro. <laughs> no dilly dilly in that. Uh, made a killing, the macho man. The oh, macho yeah. Man. Says made a killing betting on the Jazz last night. I don't know why. I just had a feeling and went with it. Well, Can't hate you for that. That's right, T. Can't hate you for that. Brandon Whiteside, who thinks that they... And we're going to talk about John Collins and the Atlanta Hawks. He's Here like, just trade, just trade Kelly Olynyk. he says to me on Twitter yesterday. Trade Kelly... And I was really proud of myself in this moment. <laughs> trade Kelly Olynyk for John Collins and we're good to go. <laughs> Essentially, that yeah. was the trade he yeah, put forward. Yeah, because they're going to trade John Collins for Kelly Olynyk. For Kelly Olynyk. Come on, guy. John Collins... For Kelly Olynyk, and where's I'm going to go back and look at the exact. With all due respect, because I, I I laughed out loud. Brandon Whiteside says Rudy Gay and Kelly Olynyk. No. For John Collins. Nah, dude. Oh nah. man, why wouldn't they do that? All due respect, bro. What do you, are you are you high, dude? You can't be you can't be day drinking, <coughs> Brandon Whiteside. You can't do that. He also says, where would Book be without the? Oh, stop. Please. The refs are why Devin Booker's good. Brandon Whiteside's a noted book hater, though. Brandon Whiteside's a a pot stirrer, is what Brandon Whiteside is. But uh, I enjoy having you on the show. Booker and the Suns winning the finals would be epic, and the friends of San Diego State Aztec already know I would be unbearable. 
What now? Oh my Let God. me tell you what now. You'd be unbearable. Dude, you'd, you'd be unbearable. Oh Bro, this guy would have like stock in Devin Booker's investment fund or something. I mean, I would have to, I'd have to get his likeness shaved into my pubes. Like it would be, What's I mean, erection? it would be, uh, you're just going to let that comment go? What? Anyway, the point is, oh my God, I would be. I know. You, you would be. How many Dude, battles? One of us passes the fuck out. How many battles have we had? Devin Booker versus Donovan Mitchell yeah, on this show. A lot of them. Oh my a lot god, of them, dude! I would be absolutely on. That's the perfect word, San Diego State. I would be. I. You would not be able to listen to this show. Like unbearable is the exact right word. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Dude. No, it's true. If the sex machine wins an NBA championship, forget it. If you felt these balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you'd notice, too, because my forearm would probably be, be massive. I mean, I mean it would be absolutely Dude. incredible. Dude, stop. Stop. Unbelievable. Uh, let's see. Uh, Marby Dog says, Colin Sexton is the difference. He is one of them. That, no doubt about that. Um, okay. <laughs> Dequavius Dinglemeister, what is that, 16? Who the f*** is that guy? You're just, I'm, we're just going to call you Dingleberry. Just call him, no, Dinglemeister. Or Dingleberry, I guess. About Dingle. How about Dingle? Okay. okay, Dingle. Clarkson is playing like an all-star uh, fluke, especially with all of his votes for the Philippines. We might see a Jaja Pachulia-style Clarkson in the all-star game. Bro, wow. what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Wow. Uh, let's see. Sean Carden says, with Sexton's best game, only had a few turns. Oh, there's no doubt that was his best game as a jazz man. Yeah. There's no question about that in my mind. I think that's a great point. Tyler P says, I don't get why people think John Collins is good. Hawks have been trying to trade him for years. Well, I don't know about years. They just gave him a massive contract extension. Yeah. Here's the problem. And if you if you do not, did not see on Twitter yesterday... Which, I mean, let's be honest. Everybody follows me on Twitter. Obviously, yeah. I said everybody. You're missed, you should have some FOMO right now. Fear of missing out <coughs> if you don't follow me on Twitter. Um, but had a good conversation yesterday uh, with uh, some NBA sources who were telling me that the Jazz are considered the front runner for John Collins right now. But... But there are several issues around John Collins. Now, for obvious reasons, the Jazz want John Collins. His ability to shoot the three, his ability to play in the paint, his ability to rebound is very nice. The issue is he could be owed upwards of $90 million between this year and the next two years plus a third-year option going forward on that contract the Atlanta Hawks gave him. The other issue is he's a defensive liability, which is a huge problem in this league. Yes, he does a lot of nice things offensively, but as a, a defender, he is a guy that struggles to guard the perimeter, and he's a guy that struggles to, to guard, frankly, other guys in the post with their back to the basket. John Collins is a defensive liability. That's a huge problem based on the fact that he's making $25 million a year in a deal that is likely to be this year and then three more because I can't see him opting out of his deal at that point. Maybe he does. I don't know. But what are you willing to give up John Collins? Now, there's some things you really like about John. Obviously, his will willingness and want to, to uh, rebound is great. His ability to shoot the three is at a very high level. But he's lost in that Atlanta offense. 
But is John Collins an upgrade to Kelly Olynyk? Is John Collins, and this is a, because Kelly Olynyk's the guy that will lose minutes here if, if a John Collins trade is made. Is John Collins a guy you're comfortable playing next to Jared Vanderbilt? That's a big question because John struggles defensively are the polar opposite of Jared Vanderbilt's struggles. But offensively, they're completely different players as well in that John Collins can make a, a, a high percentage of three for his size. He's a guy that you would be attracted to, I think, if you're Danny Ainge. But how much of that deal are you willing to pick up? And the other thing you have to understand is John Collins is in demand around the league. I'm told by NBA sources that the Hawks and the Suns were very close to a deal, but the Suns did not want to commit to John Collins for three and a half more seasons and that that number is untenable and therein lies the problem. How many teams in this league can commit to a guy for $25 million for three and a half more seasons? There aren't a lot of guys in this day and age of the salary cap or teams in this day and age in the salary cap who can fit $25 million under their cap easily um, without giving up guys, obviously, that are making that kind of money. And on this Utah Jazz team, who is that? Well, you're talking about guys like Jordan Clarkson. You're going to have to give up a guy like a Malik Beasley. You're going to have to probably give up, um, I would assume, you're going to have to give up wing players to get a guy that's a defensive liability. And Jake, I'm not sure that I'm willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, you, you, you never want to give up more than you have to to get a guy. And I, and I think that John Collins is a nice player. I, I like his ability in the pick and roll. Certainly, as you talked about, his, his ability to make the three for a size is really nice. Um, and I think he could do a lot of great things for this team. But but what I will say is Danny Ainge is a stubborn uh, a GM basketball guy as they come. And I think that Danny Ainge is not going to make any other deal than the one he wants to make. And if that doesn't work out, he's not going to do it. So to me, the idea of them picking up a three, three and a half year commitment on John Collins, yeah, is not great, especially for where this team is at and especially for what he's getting paid. So that is the hurdle. So when you talk about Olenek and who the hell ever, right, Rudy Gay, for John Collins, that's a non-starter. That's not even, like, just because the money works doesn't mean anyone's doing a deal, you know? So, like, that that to me just doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I don't know what Atlanta is looking for in return. I mean, I have to imagine if you're trading a guy on John Collins' level, you're going to ask for, you know, a Clarkson, a Beasley, like a high-impact player. That's, that's what I'd be asking for. That's what makes sense to me because you already have, you know, uh, uh, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray uh, in your starting five, it would be great to have Clarkson coming off the bench because you wouldn't lose any pace in your game. You wouldn't lose any scoring, which is what tends to happen to the Atlanta Hawks. Those two guys sit, and then all of a sudden you can't score the basketball. So to me, that's what makes a lot of sense, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at, um, you know, like the Phoenix Suns, they have a very interesting situation with Jay Crowder. Uh, obviously, they need to move on from that situation. But what is it going to take for the Suns uh, to unload a guy like Jay Crowder and pick up $25 million a year on average? Well, when you look at you know the, the, the contract that you'd be moving, Jay Crowder's only making $10.1 million. So now you're going to have to include a guy like a Dario Saric, but that also probably means that you're going to have to take a, a Bogdan Bogdanovich back in return from Atlanta, yeah. who's been trying to move him. Now, Bogdanovich has a lot of value um, to the Suns, I think. I think they'd be willing to do that. But in order to make that work, you're probably having to kick in somebody like a, you know, uh, 
uh, who's lower down their cap? Like looking at their cap, you're looking at a guy like a Landry Shamet. Mm-hmm. Does Bogdan Bogdanovich bring you more value than a Landry Shamet does? I don't know. Book and Shamet are very close. Is that a deal you want to make? I think this is why when you look at the Phoenix Suns, they were not readily willing to take on his money to give up core pieces and culture guys. But they know they got to make a move. And the other question is, is it Jay Crowder? And what are they going to do with DeAndre Ayton in the summer? Because I think that's also a big deal for that team. I mean, you're not trading DeAndre Ayton in the middle of a season, obviously. But I think that's a big deal. And then, again, as we talk about making trades, you know, I, I look at I look at this situation with uh, the L.A. Lakers, and all of a sudden, Russell Westbrook's not a guy that they're in such a hurry to trade. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes a lot of sense to me because I think we've seen that as much fight was put up with Russ coming off the bench, Russell Westbrook has actually had a, a, a bit of a renaissance this season as a sixth man. And I think you saw it last night. He hit two two pretty big threes. The one half court, I guess, isn't a big shot. But it effectively puts that game away for them. And I think when you look at the Lakers, I think they're certainly a team that's got to make a move. Um, I think a lot of people are convinced that the Sacramento Kings are going to be busy at the trade deadline. Yep. But you also saw the Lakers waived a bench player yesterday to create a roster spot. Well, the trade exceptions generally end on December 15th. Are we looking at a situation where the Lakers are going to tip over the trade market in December? I think you are because I think they want to make the playoffs. I think they know they have to make the playoffs. And the question is, who's willing to dance with the L.A. Lakers on a Kendrick Nunn deal? Who's willing to dance with the L.A. Lakers on a deal that doesn't involve Russell Westbrook and his $47 million expiring contract? Because that's a huge chip in the, in the, the NBA world. There are, believe it or not, there are people, the Utah Jazz have been in on that conversation. I can tell you that. I've been told that multiple times, and my Jazz sources have confirmed that, that they wanted to make a Russell Westbrook deal. They wanted to acquire that salary slot, and they would have given up Malik Beasley and Jordan Clarkson and Boyan Bogdanovich to do it. And the, the, the Lakers were not willing to give up two first-round picks, Thanks. which is just shocking to me. Yeah, Because how different are the LA Lakers with Boyan Bogdanovich, with Jordan Clarkson and Malik Beasley in his 40% three-point shooting. Yeah, very different. That's a very different dynamic very now different in Los team. Angeles. Yeah. So I think it's it's interesting as, as we go through this, what is Danny Ainge's tolerance to take on John Collins' contract? And how much money are you going to have to send if, if you're the, the Hawks to do that? I think it's, very, it's a very difficult trade to make. I think trading John Collins has gone from a no-brainer to a maybe. I think the trade market for John Collins, as it's been described to me, is lukewarm. It is not hot. And I think the Suns would have liked to have added him, but at what cost? Yeah. I think the Jazz would like to add him, but at what cost? You're not going to financially handicap yourself a la Mike Conley's extension. Yeah. You're not going to do that with a guy that is very limited defensively. That is a huge problem because what are we seeing in Boston? Boston's not only not... Not only now the best defensive team, but they're by a lot the best offensive team. You're going to have to, if you're going to win a championship coming out of the West in the next three years, there's a real good chance you're going to have to stop the Boston Celtics offensively. And John Collins is not that guy, pal. He's not. Yeah. He, he's not, a, I don't think anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's not some defensive juggernaut. I mean, he can do some shot blocking for you and he can do some things, but... 
it's not like you're bringing him on to, to be the best defensive player in the league or anything. No, I would agree with that. Mark Hale says, uh, what would you trade, Jake, for John Collins? I mean, I think it depends how the money works out. But like I was saying, like I, I think it's not really a matter of what Danny wants to trade. It's a matter of what they're asking for. And I, I, yes. I would be, not to dance around your question, but I, I, if I'm the Hawks, I'm asking for Clarkson and Beasley. That's what I'm asking for because I think that's what ultimately impacts, you know, the Hawks roster the best. Like Kelly Olynyk, or, or you know, like let's throw out Nikhil Alexander-Walker or any of these other fringe guys. They're not impact players for the Hawks. The Hawks are a playoff team. They need more more scoring. They need more stopping power, if you will. They don't need more bigs. I yeah, can they tell don't you that. need more bigs. You know, and and I think that you know you just need more scoring, and and that's why I think it would be Beasley and Clarkson that they'd be asking for. Yeah, and I think when you look at the situation in Atlanta, that I think they're well aware that it's very difficult. It is very difficult to to make a deal, and I, I and that's not. That's I'm not trying to be the master of the obvious, but when you you look at their situation, man, it's really difficult to go and make a trade in this league right now, because I think there are a lot of there there are a lot of politics at play based on where guys are in the standings. Yeah, you know, and and I think there's a lot of teams around this league that are reticent to help the L.A. Lakers make the playoffs. I think there's a lot of teams that don't want to do that. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see exactly what what happens there, but. Uh, would love your thoughts on uh, John Collins. We could get back to that in just a bit after football at 50, 10 of the hour, every hour on the Monty Show. The Monty Show. Hey, Monty. Uh, football at 50 presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code Monty25. Monty25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more in the Papa Murphy's app. That's how I do it. Download the app, knock it down, make your order, your two pies, your take and bake chocolate chip cookies. Put the promo code Monty25 in. Order it at 9 a.m. for 5 p.m. pickup. Anytime you want to pick it up, doesn't matter when you order. It'll be sitting at the front door waiting for you at Papa Murphy's Pizza. All right, where do we start? There's so many interesting stories. Um, this Jerry Jones situation... I don't know. We've contemplated. Is this a football at 50 conversation or a topic of conversation? I think this is a topic of conversation, but I think we could touch on it for sure. I think this Jerry Jones, LeBron James situation is turning into a big deal. You know by now, certainly you must know by now, that Jerry Jones was photographed as a teenager at a rally in Little Rock, Arkansas. And you see him in the circle there where a group of white students was trying to prevent six black students from integrating the school. Jerry Jones is in that photo and he has explained this away as, hey, I was just curious. But what he didn't do is say, you know, I was just curious, but you know, it wasn't for me. I condemn racism in all of its forms. That's not what he did. What Jerry Jones did here is try to explain away and excuse away his involvement in what turned out to be a heinous, heinous activity of trying to keep young black students from being educated in Little Rock, Arkansas. And one of the things that I think is so fascinating, and next hour we're going to play some sound from LeBron James on this, 
is we talk about guys like Kyrie Irving. Yeah. We talk about guys like Dan Snyder. Why are we not talking about Jerry Jones being a racist? Why has he gotten a free pass on this? Is it because he's the owner of the Dallas Cowboys? Is Jerry Jones a racist? In my opinion, I have no idea. I don't know Jerry Jones. I don't believe Jerry to be somebody that separates black people from white people. But there's a photo of him at 14. And it's not that he was at this event when he was 14 years old. That was a very different time in this country. Yeah. I'm okay with his explanation of, I was curious. I'm not okay that there was nothing after the words, I was curious. I was curious, but I condemn racism and bigotry in all of its forms. It's not something I would support today, but I was a curious, naive 14-year-old boy back then. But he didn't say that. He never condemned racism. He never came out against the activity that was taking place in that photo. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too critical, Jake. I don't think you're being too critical. I, I, I think that it's it, it's how you have to do things now in today's world. I mean, you have to be explicit. You have to say exactly what you want people to think of you, in my opinion. So, you, yeah, you do have to say, I condemn those things, and those things aren't for me. And, and you know, you know, again, we're going to get into this, like you said, next hour. But I, but I think the media angle, depending on who you are, in, in what you look like is a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Where are you guys at on this? Should, it, should Jerry Jones have to talk about this? Should Jerry Jones... I mean, can you discipline a guy for something he did when he was 14, when he's 179? I don't think you can. I'm not saying he should be disciplined, but am I wrong in your opinion on this show? Am I wrong that he's getting a free pass on this photo? Because I feel like he's getting a free pass on this photo. Yeah. I, and again, I'm open to the idea that I'm completely wrong about it, but I don't think so. Then there's Patrick Peterson calling out Kyler Murray. Right. I am no fan of Patrick Peterson. But friends, let me tell you, when I say he nailed it, uh, he absolutely nailed it. But I want to first play you this bite from Kyler Murray, where Kyler Murray is talking about his head coach and the schematics being F. Um, no, it wasn't. That wasn't for Hop, actually. Um, schematically, I mean, they kind of, we, we were kind of fucked. <laughs> That's Kyler Murray absolutely attacking his head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. And there's just, to me, there's no excuse for that. Yeah. You can't explain that away. You can't apologize it away. And uh, Patrick Peterson's not trying to do that. But it tells me he doesn't care about the head coach, his head coach. And he's putting everything on the head coach, basically saying. Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I got it. <laughs> so... <laughs> hey, I can't, I can't argue that I don't know him personally. You played with him for a few years, so. I got to take your word for it. Yeah, that is uh, Patrick Peterson on his podcast at CBS Sports. I mean, I don't know how you can argue with that. I think that Kyler Murray is one of the most underrated, selfish athletes that is currently playing any professional sport. Overrated? Uh, no, he's underrated as a selfish athlete. Oh, I think okay. he gets lavished with praise and people love him because he's a quarterback. And I think Kyler Murray is a selfish selfish quarterback i think he is a guy who got paid because he's got a clown for a general manager in steve keim 
this was a huge mistake paying Kyler Murray. And I think Patrick Peterson, who I also think is vastly overrated yeah. as a corner, I, I think he's spot on. I think Kyler Murray is selfish. I think Kyler Murray is, is a bigger problem for the uh, Arizona Cardinals than Cliff Kingsbury is. And I think I think Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray should have been suspended for that, for, for that and many, 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 many other instances where he disrespected his head coach. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, and I think it's it, it's just, you know, the Cardinals are, are an organization that have always been disorganized and have always made bad decisions. And I think that, you know, at one point before a lot of the stuff that's happened with Kyler went down, uh, people thought it was Cliff's fault that they were not great. But in my opinion, they it's not Cliff Kingsbury's fault because when Colt McCoy was playing, they were winning games, you know? And so Kyler Murray, when he was playing, they weren't as successful. And I, and I think when you have that clear distinction, it makes it so obvious. And then you get Kyler saying things like this at press conferences, and it just it's very clear who Kyler Murray is. Yes. And I don't, I, I'm not a P2 guy, but I appreciate that he said this. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think that this is exactly what needs to happen to Kyler Murray. Yeah. By the way, Kyler Murray then turned around and tweeted at, at Patrick Peterson and said, hey, bro, if you're supposed to be one of my mentors, why don't you pick up the phone and call me? Because... You don't earn. You haven't earned the respect. Yeah. Nobody's calling you, Kyler. One, if the phone rings, you can't reach it. Okay. I'll wow, that was cold blooded, bro. You know. You, know uh, you don't have. You don't have to judge, dude, for his shortcomings. I don't know about his. See what I did there. Shortcomings. Bed, but his, anyway, his my point is, listen. You have to earn respect, and I think a guy like P two, who is widely respected across the league, he's not calling you. He's not calling you because. I, I just I, I think there's nothing. There's no reason to. What? What? Like, why would he? There's well, no. You're not some hotshot. Do you know why he would call Kyler Murray if Kyler had some Papa Murphy's pizza? Papa Murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza. Step one: carefully knead dough. Step two: artfully spread sauce. Step three: add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four: realize we already did all that for you, so all you have to do is bake it. For a limited time only, get the Hog Heaven Pizza with Canadian bacon, ground sausage, and crispy bacon. Papa Murphy's. Change the way you pizza. There's probably like 10 of them for Christmas, and I put it on this morning, and it's really comfortable. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're back. Hi. How are you? Uh, <laughs> football 5010 of the hour, every hour, presented by our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you use the promo code MONTY25. Uh, to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. We were talking about Mrs. Monty's Christmas gifts to me. And she bought me some really nice clothes. Like she bought me, um, like, you know those sites that make t-shirts that are tailored so they're more comfortable? Like she bought me a long sleeve t-shirt, a short sleeve workout hoodie, a long sleeve hoodie. And so this morning at 4.15, I'm getting dressed. Like, so I get up every day at four o'clock. We. Oui. Two, o two O's in the Monty show. Whatever, Kyler. We get up at, <laughs> I, we get up at 4 a.m. every day. And it, by 4.05, I'm in the shower. I shower yeah. for 10 minutes. Um, it, the water's so hot, it peels the skin off my body. It's how I've lost all this weight. Right, right. Uh, but I get dressed only by the, the light on my phone, the flashlight on my phone. So this morning, like, I actually was having a really good hair morning. And this is what was disappointing for me. But... 
I didn't put my clothes out as I usually do. The night before, you learn when you get up early and you dress in the dark, you need to put your fit aside in the at night. Yeah. So you just got to pull it off the shelf. Yeah. I did not do that. So this morning, I'm rummaging through my clothing looking for a long sleeve shirt to wear. <laughs> and I would love this Callaway quarter zip. This is called a Callaway quarter zip. Yeah. And I have like five of these. And so I wear them on a pretty regular basis. So I put on these the new clothes my wife got me, which was a long sleeve T-shirt with a hood on it. Right. But you can't wear the hood when you're wearing a quarter zip. Because the quarter zip has a collar, so it makes the hood awkward. You know what I'm saying, G? Yeah. So I had to take it off. But what I didn't consider is, well, you just wrecked your good hair day. So, Biggest kick in the balls you'll ever get. Then I put on the long sleeve one, and I put on the quarter zip, and I caught myself walking past a mirror in my hallway. And I was like, why is there a monster in the mirror? And my hair was just destroyed. me. But the shirt's amazing. Like, the shirt Good. is amazing. Little uh, little oh, news hey. here from uh, the old uh, Warjanowski on Twitter. Adrian Warjanowski. Roach bombs. Uh, the Celtics signed Dal Horford to a two-year, $20 million contract extension. Yeah, I think everybody saw that coming. Al Horford's been a big part of their yeah. culture there, not necessarily in performance. He really stepped up during the Ime Yudoka situation. Um, he did a, a really good job of leading. Uh, on that and you know I had a guy tell me the other day that that contract was coming yeah and it makes um, sense I it mean, does you know, make sense it, makes sense. it yeah. does make sense yeah. uh Hondo Gonzalez good morning to you friend he gives us a nine dollar and 99 cent tip says good morning fellas Hondo good, morning, good to see sir. you or Appreciate Hodo you. Hodo I said Hondo Hodo Gonzalez good to see you friend welcome to the Monty show uh this morning presented by our good friends at the advocates find them online theadvocates.com uh, and again, I, I can't say enough about the the reason that they are called the advocates is because they advocate for you. As the best injury attorneys in the business, the advocates are there to fight for you because we see it every single day. And, you know, we talked about this privately. I don't know if we said this on the show the other day, but every morning you're getting dressed right now. You're eating breakfast. You're making breakfast for the kids. You're putting them on the school bus or dropping them off. Yeah. We take for granted that we're going to come home tonight and we're going to make dinner and we're going to watch a ball game and we're going to go to bed and we're going to wake up and do it all over again. Yeah. But too many times in this country that doesn't happen. Um, and it's because of reckless, lazy drivers that are distracted. And if you get in an accident because somebody has been distracted, reckless or lazy, maybe they fell asleep. Maybe they're looking at their phone. Maybe they're checking out their food that they just picked up in the drive-thru. You deserve to be compensated for that. And what is so hard for so many people to understand is that your insurance company is not going to fight for you. They're fighting for themselves. They're fighting to get every penny they can into their pocket. Who's fighting for you? Well, it's the advocates. Find them online, theadvocates.com. Hey, if you're in Phoenix, the advocates just opened a great new office there. If you need an injury attorney, whether you tripped and fell, whether you got you know in an accident, hey, if you or your loved ones are trying to get social security and disability, we know how difficult that is. The advocates can absolutely help you with, with SSD as well. Find them online, theadvocates.com. They have a free chat feature on their website. And again, remember, no retainers, no consultation fees. You don't reach into your pocket. You don't pay the advocates anything until they win your case. Find them online at theadvocates.com. I think the uh, biggest story in sports this morning might be the Rose Bowl situation. And I know that everybody wants to talk jazz basketball in the NBA. We'll get back to that coming up in about 25 minutes here on the Monty Show. 
Um, but we want to talk about the Rose Bowl because this is a pretty big situation, I think. How important is the Rose Bowl? Is the Rose Bowl vital to the college football playoff? Because I think in these times where we're trying to figure out where college football realignment, where's the Pac-12, the Big 12, who's going where, doing what, sometimes we tend to lose focus on what we're all fighting for in these conversations. A trip to the college football playoff and a, a shot at the national championship. Right. Right. That's what we're all fighting for. The Rose Bowl historically, even back to the BCS days, and has been a huge part of that. And my question is, as a college football fan, is the Rose Bowl significant to you? And here's why this matters today. The Rose Bowl, according to sources at ESPN, has agreed to renegotiate their contract with the college football playoff so that the college football playoff can expand in 2024, fully two years ahead of schedule, allowing 12 teams to have access to the college football playoff. But the Rose Bowl had hesitated. The Rose Bowl was trying to leverage this negotiation to get the number one exclusive window in college football on New Year's Day, whether they're in the college football playoff cycle or not. Because not every year is the Rose Bowl in the college football playoff cycle. Well, they were saying to, to college football and the NCAA, hey, it doesn't matter what year we're in or we're out. Every single year, the Rose Bowl will get an exclusive TV window. Yeah which is worth over $100 million in ad dollars alone I'm for real. to the Rose Bowl. And they said, hey, if we don't get that, we're not going to sign this deal. Well, the college football playoff held their water and didn't give it to them. They said, we're not going to be able to guarantee that. We'll do our best, but we're not going to be able to guarantee that. And the Rose Bowl blinked. They, according to sources, agreed to renegotiate their deal so now the Rose Bowl remains in the college football playoff cycle instead of being eliminated. But my question this morning is, how important to you, the college football fan, to us as a group of college football fans, how important is the Rose Bowl? Now, if you're a Utah fan, obviously the Rose Bowl has completely different ramifications. The Rose Bowl is that game that you go to because you won the Pac-12 championship. But if you're a Pac-12 fan, a Utah fan, a BYU fan, a Big 12 fan, an SEC football fan, how important is the Rose Bowl? Does it matter to you? Do you care about it? Jake, you're a 28, about to be 29-year-old guy. Is the Rose Bowl significant to you? Not in the parlance of, hey, this game's at the Rose Bowl, you know, so I'm going to get excited. Not in that setting. What does excite me is the matchup, though. Hey, we're going to get... This premier, you know, SC Utah matchup, let's say, or this premier, whatever the matchup would be uh, in college football. And yeah, it's in Southern California. And yeah, it's at the Rose Bowl. Okay. Yeah, that excites me. And I think the thing is, is that the stadium isn't really why we're watching, right? We can all agree on that. Like if, if Alabama and Georgia was held in Notre Dame Stadium versus Jerry World, that really probably wouldn't make too much of a difference for me because it's still going to be a phenomenal football game. But but the fact is, is if it's in some grand stadium that just kind of adds to the allure. I look at the Super Bowl. Uh, what was that, two years ago now for the Rams, right, at, at, their, at their stadium? SoFi, yep. At SoFi. 
that was a hell of a halftime show. I remember sitting by a pool watching that Super Bowl, and everyone was like, oh, my God, all these names, and it's in L.A., and look at all the people at the game, and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's the significance in, in for me in my watching experience that really matters. But I'm definitely not sitting here saying, oh, man, dude, if, if the Rose Bowl doesn't renew their agreement, I just, man, I, my day's ruined. I can't, I, I can't watch college football. I like, don't know how we'll you know ever I mean? go on. Like, it, it, it's not, like, it... Like, great. It's the Rose Bowl. Neat. But listen, it is historically significant. It is. It yeah. is one. Of, it, I don't think anymore, because of the college football playoff, I don't think it's the most important bowl. It's not the granddaddy of them all. It's not that game anymore. I think it used to be because of its capacity and how many people it can hold. I, I like, don't, I think and, and I don't, listen, I don't disagree with that. And yeah. I also think like the parade, I think the pageantry, I yeah. think the experience of going to the Rose Bowl made it this big deal. Yeah. And I don't think it's not a big deal anymore. I think the Rose Parade is still a big deal. I think the pageantry is still a big deal. Right. The significance of the football game, I think, is lessened unless it is in the college football playoff cycle. Unless the Utes are in it against Ohio State, right? But right now today, and, and as a Utah fan, I'd love to hear from you on this. Can you tell me that this game tomorrow in Las Vegas is not just as big or, in fact, more important to you than the Rose Bowl itself? Because nothing is on the line at the Rose Bowl, in my opinion. It's cool. Hey, we're Rose Bowl champions. We went to the Rose Bowl. Hey, remember Neat. in 2023, we won the Rose Bowl, and it was awesome. Cool. You're playing for a conference championship. Facts. You're playing for a, a, a banner. You're playing for pride. You're playing for forever. Legacy. It's USC. It's Utah. It's legacy. It's Cam Rising's career. We won the conference back-to-back -back games. Back-to-back -back years, rather. To me, the conference championship, now that it's out of San Francisco and Levi Stadium, which I think was a joke, now that it's in Vegas, it has that, that panache to it. It has that feeling. Does it feel like the history and tradition of the Rose Bowl? Well, no, it doesn't. But significant in your football program? Hell yes. But it doesn't. But I think Vegas that game's thing, more important. But it's not a big deal because it's at Allegiant. Right? Like, no. I, I want to make this point. It, nobody gives a damn that it's at Allegiant. Allegiant doesn't, like, yeah, that's a nice stadium. Cool. BYU did some significant losing in that stadium. Utah has a chance to do some winning. BYU did Great. some significant right? like, losing. That's what we as Utah football, like, state, oh state of Utah football fans know it for. But I'm not sitting here saying, hey, yeah, this is a really important game because it's on a Friday and it's at Allegiant. Nobody gives a damn that it's at Allegiant. It's in Vegas. Great. We got a comment this morning. Hop in the car. We're hopping in the car, gassing up. Got yeah. stopped by Maverick. Like, great. Cool. We're going to Vegas. That's why it matters. Hey, yeah. we're going to Southern California. Yeah. That's why it matters. Not because it's at the Rose Bowl. Not because it's at Allegiant. Not because it's at Jerry World or the Superdome or whatever. Like, So the building adds to the allure, right? Especially if you're in person. But it's not the reason that the game is meaningful. That's the difference. So with all due respect to the folks at the Rose Bowl and them wanting premier slots and everything, I get it. It's business. No college football fan is breaking their back to make sure that they watch any given game because it's at your building. Yeah, I think I think the Rose Bowl has lost its luster a little bit. And I, again, I would just look at the Big Ten side of this. Would you rather beat Ohio State in the 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 final game of the year if you're Michigan? 
and you're going to you're going to let's be honest you're going to the college football playoff but if you you know if you beat if you beat Ohio State and you go to the Rose Bowl and okay cool who remembers you know who remembers Charles Woodson with the rose in his mouth yeah that's really cool but it's only because you won like that game like, right but i don't remember that my generation doesn't I would agree. That, and I think right? that's a really I important I point. That, I didn't experience that. Yeah, I mean, that's why you don't watch The Godfather either. Like, it's just that no. thing where you don't know what's important, right? And But I think that's actually, a seri- in all seriousness, I think that's a really good point. To your 29-year-old guy in on the 18th of December, mm-hmm. you, it doesn't matter to you. You don't remember Lou Holtz in Notre Dame. You don't nope. remember Bo Schembechler and Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard. I like, remember Charles Woodson as a Packer and a Raider. Yeah. I think I think that's a really good point. I do. Uh, let's get some of your thoughts in here. Uh, Gage Carter says, I think it's very important. And Gage and you are in the same generation. Um, NY Monty fan, I think makes the best point in the morning. Let's take some time and slap that like button. Remember, Santa's elves are watching. My guy, let's, yeah, go. On, let's go. If all 130 people here would hit the like button, that would be transformative for the show. Please consider uh, hitting the like button. Give us a subscribe. By the way, by the way, a lot of people have asked if we're still giving away uh, the the uh, Jazz uh, Cavs tickets. Yes, yes, we're taking you to game, but we got to get to 9,000 subs yeah. in the next 31 days. And we're, by the way, I have to say, Vivint looks really nice. Haven't yeah, Vivint is. Looks ooh, amazing, dude. Amazing. But we're at 8,150 subs right now. Dude, you got Come on now. Well within reach. Yeah. Well within reach. Tell Let's your friends, go. Tell your people. Make. I mean, uh, I can't remember. Was it Solace who made a second account to subscribe? Like, come on. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's go. Appreciate you guys. Uh, 33 likes on almost 500 views this morning. Let's go. Hit that like button. Uh, Boyd Lake says the Rose uh, Bowl is the granddaddy, but is it still? Is it still? I don't know, man. And why Monty fan makes a great point. Is it the Rose Bowl or the Rose Bowl? Well, ask Rick Ross. I think Rick Ross would tell you it's the Rose Bowl. (laughs) Uh, Tyler P., who it should be noted, has the the best helmet in my opinion that helmet the the matte black with the red u on it bomb mm, bomb says it's huge it's always been one of the most iconic games in college football but this is my curiosity why though in your opinion because i think the opinion on this particular topic is what really really matters like the why for me on why i don't think it's that big of a deal right now and the why for you on why it is a big deal really matters yeah well if you're a big 10 or a pac 12 fan it matters I think if you are a Big 12 fan, it doesn't matter nearly as but much. But is it a big deal because because it holds, what does it hold, 100,000 people? Yeah, because it's got it's a big deal. I, I don't think the building is the big deal. Well, I think the history and tradition and the, the I think the whole experience, going to Lowry's, the prime rib, um, you know, like uh, everything leading up to it, you're in Hollywood, you know, like it, I think that's what the big deal is. Yeah. Uh, M. Alvarez says it's a tradition unlike any other. Wait. <laughs> Is that the Masters, you mean? Oh, man, dude. You know. San Diego State says, uh, Boyd Lake, I concur the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, Remember maybe, Keith hey, Jackson? Listen, maybe I'm on an island on this one. I, I just, I, I know the Rose Bowl's a big deal, but I just, I don't know, man. The Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, Roger Sales says, growing up the Rose Bowl, uh, was the, the big bull. Now it feels like an old Roman building you go and see to watch it see, crumble. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Rose Bowl has to be in the college football playoff to be meaningful. See, that's my point. Yeah. The Rose Bowl, I'm 49. I, obviously, we're in two different positions in life. Yeah. I gave birth to you through seed. but it, So you're much <laughs> younger than me. 
I, I think that it is very clear for my generation, I think the Rose Bowl has a lot of meaning to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many people here are even in my generation, probably not many, but for my generation growing up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, the Rose Bowl had tremendous value to me. It was something I looked forward to. But again, I grew up a Notre Dame and an Illinois fan, right? The fighting and, Illini. But I, I, Notre Dame never played in the Rose Bowl, right? Like it wasn't something you fought for every year. We more fought to keep Michigan out. When Michigan and Notre Dame played every year, yeah. we fought to keep Michigan out, yes, right? Yes, so yes. I think those are, the, those are the things that I grew up thinking about. But I watched the Rose Bowl every year. My mom made me watch the Rose Parade every year, Yeah. right? So it, it, it has meaning to me for sure. Uh, Tyler P says the Rose Bowl by name is iconic, but the stadium itself is old. Absolutely right. Nailed totally. it. Nailed it. Uh, Arlington Bears. Good morning, Karn. The Rose Bowl is just an extension of the Pac-12. They think they're way bigger than they are. Ooh. I, <laughs> I, I, well, Chris Karn's awake, everybody. I don't know that I agree 100% with that. I don't know that I agree. I see where you're coming from. Is with it that. appropriate to say good morning, Chris Carr? Yeah, I mean, you know, dude came They in think hot. they're better than they are. Final. Wow. Good good morning. Yeah. That's a, that's that might be the first the like heat take heat check yeah, that was take, a hot take in the morning. For sure. You know, uh M Morris says so many top players hold out for these games they do. Another uh, consideration. Yeah. BYU owns Vegas and before that it was San Diego. Well, BYU generally well until Notre Dame. Let's move on. Uh, Lai P says, time to make a bunch of second accounts. That's right. Well, that's right. Maples, good morning to you. The college football playoff changed the luster of the Bulls. It did. And I don't like that because growing up, again, 49 years old, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl was was a, a big deal, right? Like those bowl games on New Year's Day, like, I remember watching the Gator Bowl. Like, I, I mean, you just, you got excited because it was, but now we got to wait weeks to see this or, you know, like, it just doesn't feel <laughs> the same. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not. I think the 12-team expansion, I think is fantastic. Yeah. I think getting 12 teams in, I'm not a 16, 20, 12 teams is more than enough. If we had 12 teams in this year, I think, Two things. I think the conversation would not be nearly as heated, and I think Utah would be going to the college football playoff. Yeah. Right? But if you're – look at BYU. If you're BYU and you know you have to be one of the 12 best teams in the country, you have a much larger chance of getting there. Well, and how much more motivation is there? Right? But but right now you don't. So I I think the 12-team thing is a big deal. Tyler P. says, I'm 45 years old, so the Rose Bowl was always a big deal. Yeah, same. Same, dude. Absolutely right. Ron says the Rose Bowl and the pyramids have a lot in common. Come on now. Um, M. Morris says they have their own Rose Bowl parade. They do. They absolutely Which, do. Through again, the streets of Pasadena, and, California. And I'm not being a hater. It's just not that it doesn't do much for me. No, the you've parade, never been a parade guy. Though. Not a parade guy. Not a parade guy. Would you guy. go to the Rose Bowl parade if... When we, lived, when we lived in, in L.A., you had, and the girls, like all the girls in our family would go to the Rose Bowl Parade. Yeah. We never went. No. We never went. Because no. it, I'm not going just to go to a damn parade. Yeah. I got better things to do. Yeah, I totally agree. Maple says, does the announcement signal the Rose Bowl wants a playoff game instead of future Pac-12 champion versus Big Ten runner-up? I think it means that they understand that being in the college football playoff cycle keeps them in a position of importance. Relevant. And when you talk about 
important positions and things that are important in your life, I don't know how you don't talk about barbecue pit stop. Clearly. Right? I mean, clearly. Because all of our college football talk on this show is presented by Barbecue Pit Stop, bbqpitstop.com. No matter where you're watching in this country or in this world, global nation. Global. I don't know why I said that. Uh, but no matter where you're watching, get to bbqpitstop.com. Yes, they ship uh, nationally to you. But if you're in Utah, go to one of their five stores. Come on now. Layton, uh, Logan, Layton, Lehigh, Murray, and St. George. And... Hey, by the way, by the way, big shout out to everybody that listens to this show in St. George. Love you guys. Yeah. Awesome to be talking to you guys. Uh, I had a Twitter DM conversation about what is better at Jack in the Box in St. George. And we may have to, I forgot about this. We may have to have an extreme sausage sandwich versus a number six combo <sighs> argument at Jack in the Box later in the show. But big shout out to all our guys at uh, in St. George. Big shout out to everybody at... Barbecue Pit Stop. Hey, it's holiday season. Your gift giving for your dad, your brother, your mom, your sister, your cousin, um, your side hustle piece, you know, like uh, all of them need gifts, right? So no better place to... <laughs> no better place to get that gift uh, than Barbecue Pit Stop because they have something for everybody. Now, you know when you want smoker barbecue equipment, they've got all the best at Barbecue Pit Stop, whether it's Traeger, Yoder, Big Green Egg, Camp Chef, you want tongs? Tongs. 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 I love tongs. By the way, I'm I like, real. I am over the top on tongs, mainly because, well, the last pair I bought at Barbecue Pit Stop were amazing. Y'all feel uh, me? But I have like five pairs of tongs. Who doesn't need that? Tongs. It makes me more you know? of a man. It makes my biceps you can, bigger. You can roll your wings. You know, and my balls. And man. it's just amazing. Unless you eat flats, and then there's no rolling flats. Because you don't have any balls. But yeah. the point is, listen to me, friends. Uh, they have all the best equipment in the in the barbecue business, and Again, if you are not a pellet smoker guy, you probably are a big fan of the Rose Bowl. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <coughs> totally kidding. If you're not a pellet smoker guy, you're doing it wrong. Trust me, your dad might not know it. He's a pellet smoker guy. Your brother might not know it. He's a pellet smoker guy. Oh, you are a pellet smoker guy. Okay, well, have you tried cherry? Have you tried the competition mix from Traeger? Have you? Have you tried the competition mix that you get only at barbecue pit stop stores? Oh, you haven't? You should. And by the way, it fits down the chimney in Santa's bag. Yeah. Go get go give some pellets to your 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 best bud who's a Traeger guy. Go get some cherry pellets. Tell him Monty said cherry's amazing with your wings. By the I'm way, while you're there, again. get some asado seasoning. Do it. Asado seasoning, cherry pellets, wings, drums only, of course, with ranch. It's a asado seasoning and ranch dressing. Boom, I'm telling you. It's where you become a man. It's where it's where we stop taking, you know, testosterone supplements and we start taking asado seasoning so the testosterone shoots up naturally. Linocaine and B12. You feel like more of a man. Yeah. It's Thursday, trust me. Anyway, the point is What BB are you bench? BBQpitstop.com. You wanna you want your bench to go up? Asado seasoning. Yeah, eat those wings. You wanna squat more? Wing dust. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and you can get all the best flavors of seasoning. Sauces, all of it at barbecue pit stop, bbqpitstop.com. Logan, Leighton, Lehigh, Murray, and St. George. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. And again, I would ask you to consider your holiday gift giving, your money being spent. Spend it locally. Yeah. One of the one of the fun things that I've really enjoyed about this shopping season for Christmas is going to small local businesses, shopping online at places like Barbecue Pit Stop. Everybody 
pretty much everybody allows you to shop online now. And if that's our friends at Quick Quack Car Wash, all of those Quick Quack Car Washes, whether it's Arizona, Utah, those are those are entrepreneurs, right? Whether it is our good, look at our guy at Chick-fil-A in Ogden. Go go to the Chick-fil-A in Ogden on Riverdale Road. Tell Chick-fil-A. me heard about it. Or I said Chick-fil-A. Super what are you Chicks. Doing? I'm Super terrible. Chicks, bro. Super Chicks on Riverdale Road in Ogden. Make sure that you go by there and you say, hey, heard about you guys on the Monty Show. Um, hook it up. They're going to take care of you at Super Chicks in Ogden. They're entrepreneurs, right? Shop small business. Shop barbecue pit stop. Quick quack car wash. Are, are all of our guys at the Advocates? Though I've known Matt Driggs for over a decade. That's a local business owner, right? Our guys at TridayTrading.com. Love those guys. They're based in Lehigh. Love the guys at Triday Trading. They're yes. local. When you're shopping this season, please consider if you have a friend, and, and I know we've talked about this, and I'm probably way off the rails here, but if you have a friend that has a t-shirt business, buy, buy your son, daughter, friend, buy him one of his t-shirts. Contribute to their local business. That makes a big difference because we got to stop talking about how, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur and my friend, look at this. Stop talking and start supporting local businesses. It's so important to me, man. I, I take it really seriously. Support local business. Trust me when I say that. Uh, let's see. Oh, duck season is in the room now. Oh God, here we go. Duck season is in the room. Let's, let's back up a little bit. Uh, San Diego state says condolences to Christine McPhee of Fleetwood Mac who passed away yesterday at 79. Some of you may know I am a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. One of my great, your, your Jennifer Aniston is my Stevie Nicks. Yeah. I love Fleetwood Mac. I was, it was tough to hear that she passed yesterday. Fleetwood Mac was absolutely one of the most formative bands in my in my music fandom. Uh, let's see. Tyler P says, got two smokers. Is that enough? LOL, it is, Tyler. It absolutely, <laughs> yes, but, yes, yes. I'm telling you. Hey, Tyler, I don't know if you shop at Barbecue Pit Stop. You've got to try the cherry yeah, pellets. Do it. The cherry pellets and the pecan pellets as well. I say pecan, you say pecan. Uh, the pecan pellets with asado, the cherry pellets with asado seasoning. Dude. Even the mesquites are not not a bad option. Oh no, the mesquite's really good. You can yeah. you can cook anything mesquite. Yeah. With the pellet. So how it works is if you don't know about pellet smokers, is it's so easy. You have a grill. Think of your charcoal briquette grill. Well, instead of using charcoal briquettes, you're gonna get a Traeger smoker, and there's a little box on the side that you pour the pellets into. You turn it on and it starts using those pellets to heat the grill and the smoke just infuses whatever it you're- It permeates the skin of the meat. It's amazing, dude. Uh, smokers will change your life. My, it, like Chris Karn um, made a pot pie from Costco on there. Life-changing, life-changing. Absolutely life-changing. Duck season. Utah fans, give me your final score prediction tomorrow. I wanna see how delusional your poverty minds are. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Stay Bolton says brand. Utah 173, USC 2. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually pretty close. Bolton. Yeah, I, I think that's it's pretty amazing. Close. Uh, Alex Chacon says Monty eats flats with blue cheese in secret. Bro. Alex, those are fighting <laughs> words. Those are fighting words. You watch yourself, sir. I don't know where you live. Um, let's see. Tyler P says Ducks finally beat Utah and still end up on the outside looking in, right? You finally, Duck fans, beat Utah. Oh, man. And you got these nuts from Washington. Congratulations. We did, we did. Congratulations. Oh, by the way, <laughs> then you went to Research Stadium. Oh, Oregon State. 
little brother down south. How'd that work out? Um, I love it. I love it. I still love it. Uh, yeah, because you got lucky. Luck. Huh? Luck. Utah owns Oregon. Exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly right. No Bo Nix owns your property university, your poverty, poverty university. Town. How does Bo Nix own Utah? Yeah. I, I, I didn't <coughs> see that. Uh, Tyler now says ducks are chokers of the Pac-12. They are, <coughs> truly. The, Oregon is that team that's like, we're the baddest MFers on the planet until we got to play a game. All right. It was a good season. No. Phil, we still have Phil Knight's money. You Get know. some J's. You know what I'm saying? Oh, get free Jordans. Uh, Tyler P says Utah wins 45-42. Man, you My think God. it's going to be that close. 87. Dude. Sadly, I think USC probably wins the game. And I think it's probably in the 30s. I don't think it's in the 40s. Utah, Utah's not giving up 40. 40. Indoor football game, dude. Yeah, but they're not giving up 40 points to the same team twice in a season. Yeah. The Utes defense is too good for that. I mean, that they're just too good for that. I, I don't know. I could I could be wrong. Uh, Ron says the only prediction you need is ducks suck again. The only thing that floats neck. Well, there you go. There you go. Bucky Beaver, cut your duck timber. Boyd Lake says. Damn. Okay. Uh, Tyler says if Utah loses, I'm okay with it because USC is ridiculously good and Caleb is a Heisman candidate. The Pac-12 will be in the college football playoff. Indeed. Alex Chacon. Apologize before I read any of your other comments. Apologize to me. You no, should apologize, bro. Is Cam an NFL level QB? You should go and watch the video where we we put out last week about whether Cam Rising's an NFL QB. I think that's a really difficult discussion. That's a really difficult discussion. We talked specifically. Yeah, we, there's a video on the channel about it. Yeah. I don't know though. Uh, I I like Cam a lot. I just don't know that I can commit to that as an opinion. You know, like I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel great about. It's not a, it's not an unequivocal yes. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do know that Bo Nix is not an NFL quarterback. Though. Right. We right. Kn we know that. That's uh, right. Pete. We know that for certain. 730 uh, on the Monty show presented by uh, the advocates, utahadvocates.com. And of course, uh, the biggest stories in sports every morning presented by Quick Quack Car Wash. Uh, our good friends at Quick Quack yesterday, every, we got like three, four pictures this week of people driving through. I think Riley O'Brien, Riley O was the last guy who sent us a picture. Yeah, but he went through the district, said it was bomb. It is bomb. The district, the, the, I'm telling you, Quick Quack, at the, we were there yesterday. Yeah. We, oh my God, by now, the way. Yeah. By, bro. So we went through Quick Quack at the district yesterday in about five minutes. It was amazing. Yeah. Car looks great, always. But we took, we then left the the quick quack and went across the street to Mo Betta's. Fat, dude. If there's better comfort food than Mo Betta's, I don't know. I what don't want to hear any nonsense about their Mac salad because their oh, Mac their Mac incredible. salad's amazing, incredible. You can argue with me about their brown rice. A little crunchy yesterday, not great. Oh, their Mac salad, their steak. Oh, the chicken or their steak chicken? with oh. the Mac salad is ridiculous. <sighs> Breathe. Anyway, uh, but it all started with a great trip to Quick Quack Car Wash. And what I always tell you is that I think the best part about Quick Quack is the people. I love that there's always a smiling face there. Yesterday it was cold. There was a dude out there with his, you know, with his face covered in a hat his and a jacket lava. on. It's cold. It's inclement weather. And they're still out there. And I'm like, hey, I have a wash pass. He's like, great. All right, man. You want a dashboard wipe? I was like, no, I'm good. I just had one Saturday because I go multiple times a week. Um, 
And he's like, all right, no problem. Hey, I'm going to get your plate and then uh, go ahead and drive through. Puts my plate in there, gives me a thumbs up. I drive through. The guy the guy in the tunnel, because there's a guy that sprays the front and back of your car, noticed I had salt on my hood, sprayed, took the water hose, sprayed all the salt off my hood, sprayed all my windows, the wheels. And like, again, there was a line and we were through in... Five minutes, yeah. five, seven minutes max. Yeah, dude, it was quick. Quick Quack Car Wash is where it's at. Um, and by the way, yeah, if you guys go to Quick Quack or if you go to Barbecue Pit Stop or Tri-Day Trading, tweet us pictures of it. We, Papa we, Murphy's. Papa Murphy's for sure. We love to see you guys going through there uh, and, and working with our clients. It really helps the show grow, as does you hitting the like button right now. Uh, if all 127 of you hit the like button right now, the show would blow up. What do you think the biggest story in Utah sports is right now? Because I do think Utah USC is, is, is there. I yeah. think tomorrow that will be the number one. Yeah. I think the Jazz winning against the Clippers is a huge story in this I don't town. think there's a story in Utah sports right now that everyone's dying for yet. I think tomorrow, yeah, you're right, it'll be football. But I think Jazz fans need the Jazz to win a few games in a row to get excited again. Well, the Pacers are in tomorrow night. And that, again, the problem is Miles Turner is a huge problem for you because you don't defend the post well here in Utah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I love Indiana in that matchup. I don't know. I haven't seen a line on that game yet. Um, generally, we don't get a good line until the morning of that game. Yeah. Um, but I, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen a line on that yet. But I'll be interested to see um, where that goes because the Pacers are actually pretty good. They're a 500 road team, which I think is saying something. Um, but that's a 7 o'clock tip at the Viv tomorrow. I, I mean, that's going to be a tough game. Yeah, because Tyrese yeah. Halliburton's a stud. Yeah, I'm and Miles you. Turner's a problem, like you were saying. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know what you're going to do about about him. Yeah, like I would guess that, you know, you might see some more Azubuki minutes, but the problem nah, is, is that on. Turner is too fast for Azubuki. You're you're not an Azubuki guy. I get At it. All. And I'm not an Azubuki guy either, but the fact is, is Walker Kessler's soft still. He's soft. He's not a banger. He's not a guy that... That is going to go after somebody or be a real gritty guy. Yeah, but if, so if, if you're going to lose that game, let's do it with Walker getting beat because that's the only way he's going to get better. That in the weight room, he's got to bang a little bit, but he he's already a great shot blocker. And I I just look at the Pacers and I think that team's a lot better than people thought they would be. Um, now it's a little surprising that they got torched in Sacto last night, but I mean one thirty seven to one fourteen is an ass kicking. But you you look at at Buddy Heald, you know you you look at at guys like Jalen Smith, twenty two points last night. Um, you know I I don't know. I I don't. We'll see how how they are. I mean Miles Turner last night twenty eight minutes four points six boards, not a great game for him. I would think that they would bounce back. But again, Tyrese Halliburton doesn't score a lot, but he's got ten dimes. Yeah, that's what makes them difficult. And by the way, I actually think Sacramento is is having a pretty darn good year. Yeah, they're starting to more and more and more impress me as a playoff team. I think that's a team. And I think the Sabonis trade, oddly enough, with the Pacers, I think the Sabonis trade was transformative for them. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Um, by the way, by the way, again, Sex Machine had 51 points last night. Right. Right. So still today, who's the best scorer in the NBA? Durant. Who's number two? Um. After that, I'd probably book is right there with Tatum. I think book and I Tatum. Think, yeah, I think they're. I don't think one is better than the other. That's the problem. Like I think they're level. I think they're even. Luca. Uh. Yeah. I'm just not a Luca guy. 
But it's it's biased to say that he's not one of the and best. A half points. Yeah, I mean it's biased to say he's not one of the best scorers in the league. I think he is. My problem with Luca is he's always he's always pandering to the officials. That's my problem. You're always talking to the official. You're always crying. You're always yeah. complaining. What I respect about guys like Durant, and Book, and Tatum, and you know some of these other guys is they expect calls, but they're they expect those calls based on the way they play. Like they they put themselves in positions where they are getting fouled legitimately and no one disputes that and sometimes they don't get the call. Yeah, and I think I mean there's a lot of names in there. I mean Durant Giannis is certainly a guy that you would throw into that conversation, but I mean the guy's shooting twenty three percent from three. Yeah. I mean, so he's not When I say score, I don't just mean how many points are in the box sheet. Like when I'm talking no. about scoring, I'm talking about like Peer scores, guys who are mid-range assassins, guys who do their work in jump shooting and and you know just have more skill. Like Giannis is a bull rusher. That's what he has always been. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, but, and now that he has that little low block turnaround, yeah, you know, wow, Chris Letang of the Penguins suffered a stroke. Yeah, he's out indefinitely. Holy cow! I didn't see that. Uh, anyway, my point is when we talk about best scores. I don't. I just don't think it's Luca. I think you can. You Luca can be had. I think it's Kevin Durant, Book, and JT. I, I think that Donovan next year could be that guy. I don't think that Demar. Donovan Mitchell. Well, Demar. I I think I think Demar and KD are probably the best mid range players in the in the NBA right now. Not probably. Kevin Durant's the best mid range player in the world. I think Demar Book JT. Yeah, Jason Tatum, not so much. I mean, if we're talking great mid-range players, I think DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker are probably your three best mid-range yeah. players. Um, but if we're talking pure scores, I think it, it could Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant and and Devin Booker are probably the two best pure scorers in the NBA right now. I think I just think that Luca Luca's so heavily reliant on that hot, hot streak of threes. Yeah. So I, that's probably where I would come down on that. Uh, it's a tough conversation. It is. It's a very yeah. difficult conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think Antonio, this is a really good question. Jordan Clarkson, absolutely NBA all-star, proud Filipino. I don't think he's an all-star because yeah, he's not he's a six-man anymore. He's got he's, work to do. He's not a six-man. Laurie Markkinen is a jazz all-star player. Yeah. He, he is. He's having a great year. I think there, there's he's the go-to guy. He is. And I think he's, yeah, he's now Jordan Clarkson's incredibly important to this club, but I don't think he, to be an all-star, you got to be a straw that stirs a drink. Yeah. Like, I mean, and when I say all-star, if I said Kevin Durant, you're like, yeah, he's an all-star. If I said Luca, he's an all-star Giannis, he's an all-star. Yep. If I said Jordan Clarkson, you're like, well, well, doesn't he come off the bench? The problem is he doesn't anymore. He starts. And that's a very different place. Yeah. It's a very different place to be. Very different place to be. So, you know, I think it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of conversation in that. Um, Alex Chacon said, the real question is how on earth did Rudy only have one rebound in 26 minutes last night? Weren't we the show? No. That everybody said hated Rudy Gobert. No, we're the hacks on YouTube. That Well, right. It, well, and here's the thing. We used to do this show in a basement. So we used to be the hacks on YouTube that do the show in what was known as my basement, but was actually his basement. Yeah, we never now, did a show in Jake's basement. Because of how great you guys are, we have a studio at the Maverick Center. So we've we've you know, we've come up a couple notches, but we're still the hacks on YouTube, apparently. 
I, I would agree with that. We are By still the, way, the hacks on can YouTube. Can you subscribe to the show so we can get closer to 10,000 subs? Yeah, that'd be great because then we wouldn't be hacks on yeah, YouTube. We then, would be the know. hacks with 10,000 subs on YouTube. Yeah. Tell your friends. You know. Get them and here. And the funny thing is, is that the Rudy Gobert vitriol, nobody, nobody brings that up to us anymore mm. because we crushed that story. Mm. Crushed it. I think Rudy Gobert is getting exposed for being the guy that the Jazz were absolutely built around. Good and bad. He was a great part of what was right with the Jazz. He was also the biggest part of what was wrong with the Jazz. Totally. And so now you go to Minneapolis and you're still making $41 million a year on average. And now they need you to perform and you can't perform because the team's not built around you. You have guys like D'Lo. You have Ant last night was unbelievable. And the, and the difference is they don't have any feelings about not giving you the ball. Yeah, there's no nostalgia. They They're not loyal to you. They don't care. You know, like it, it's just not in my mind. Rudy Gobert is getting exposed by being invisible. Yep. And it's a problem because he's not having, he's not averaging a double-double anymore because the team's not built around him. They're not funneling the defense into him, right? But what do you, and this goes back to the Donnie versus Rudy argument. What are you seeing with Donnie versus Rudy? Donovan Mitchell's thriving in Cleveland. Rudy one's Go going up, one's going down. Rudy Gobert is wilting in Minneapolis because they just don't have any deference for him. Yes, yes, yes. Because he's not a player that can be the, the, the guy that wins you a championship. C can't do it. By the way, Carl Anthony Towns is no longer that guy. I think his championship window is closed. I think he's no longer a guy that can carry a team to a championship. Yeah. And it's been a, I go back all the way to my days at uh, 1320K fan, the, the sports, sports leader. leader. The late, great Will Smith and I used to battle over this all the time about is Carl Anthony Towns the best center in the NBA? At one point he was. Yeah. But he never, he never got over. So now he is, he is a guy that you worry about becoming injury prone. Yeah. Because now he's got this calf strain that most people think is an Achilles issue. I don't know. I, I, I just think that you have, you, you have to have a guy who can carry you when you need a bucket. You need that alpha. That was Donnie. Now, did he do the job here in Utah? No, Donovan Mitchell was a failure in Utah. They did not win a championship. When the expectations, not by us, by others, were this is a championship caliber team, they never were. They let you down. They never were. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, they failed in Utah. But the proof is in the future pudding, and Donovan Mitchell is an MVP caliber player this year. I'm going to say this again. And if Cleveland goes deep into the playoffs, I don't know. I, and you can keep hating on Don, and I know a lot of people do. And, hey, you're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to your feelings. I'm not going to agree with you. Donovan Mitchell is the guy that you wish you still had. Now, you wish you had him with Laurie Markkinen. Yeah. And I understand why they made the trade, and I, I probably would go back and make that trade again. But he's the skill set you're missing right now. Yeah. Rudy Gobert, you do not miss Rudy Gobert on this team at all, even a little bit. Especially not a $41 million a year. $20 million? Yeah, I miss Rudy Gobert. $40 million? Hell no. Yeah. I don't miss Rudy Gobert. Come on. I don't. Uh, Skeet says, Donovan is playing better. It is not the same thing as getting better. No, he is. He, he, Donovan Mitchell is a completely different offensive player this year than he was last year. The range. So Donovan came in to last season with the Jazz with range, but he wasn't consistent from range yet. And from the three-point stripe and beyond, he wasn't consistent. He could make it. He just didn't consistently make it. Yeah. Now he consistently makes it from range. And now he's added the ability to score inside the three-point arc. He is a, a really good mid-range player who's going to get better. 
Note that the turnover in the paint doesn't happen anymore. Note that he is back to being explosive and dunking because what did he do? And this is part of the conversation we have to have. Donovan Mitchell went to David Alexander, his body guy in Miami, and he got his legs right. But you knew he was going to do that. And why did you know that? Because you never questioned Donovan Mitchell's motor, his desire, his pride. He is always going to add new bags, new tricks to the bag every summer. He is always going to work on his body every summer. Have you ever wondered if Donovan Mitchell was going to come into camp in shape? I never wondered that because the guy is always in shape. He is. Oh, and the other thing you love that you don't love about Rudy Gobert that you love about Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell wants to play ball every day. Yeah. Every day, every single day. That's why he's a killer. That's why he'll be a number one. That's why, in my opinion, he will eventually be an NBA MVP because he's going to average 30 points a year, 30 points a game this year. Yeah. And the Cavs are going to go deep in the playoffs. And some of that absolutely is Darius Garland, you know, Evan Mobley, no doubt about it. But a lot of it is Donovan Mitchell's leadership. And that's what they're all talking about. He's a great leader. We never heard he was a great leader here. He was a silent leader here. But why was that? Because this was Rudy Gobert's club and his locker room until he lost it. That's what the truth is. Whether you want to embrace that or not, I can tell you multiple agents, executives, people inside the Jazz told me repeatedly last year, Rudy Gobert's obsession with bitching and moaning at officials spilled over into the locker room and created friction. (coughs) And he never stopped doing that. Yeah. Never stopped doing that. But Quinn Snyder wouldn't take him off the floor. Quinn Snyder wouldn't reprimand him for that. And so when guys like Donovan Mitchell would pipe up and say, hey, or like Mike Conley in his own way went to Rudy and said, hey, Rudy wouldn't listen to that. That was the problem on this team. You know, like it just, yep. it just is what it is. Tyler P says not in shape enough to play defense, but the system for Donovan Mitchell was not to have him. Look at the defense he's playing this year. And you, pro- you guys probably don't watch that. I watch a ton of basketball. I watch a lot of Donovan Mitchell. He is in the passing lanes and he's actually doing a really good job of keeping his hips in front of the guy. Yeah. He's doing a, he is a much better defensive player this year. Uh, let's see. Duck season says this is the only time Monty doesn't sound like poverty. I agree with this Rudy Gobert take. <laughs> and actually said Rudy Gogurt. Gogurt. Good, good job. Uh, don't, uh, Don, don't miss you either. Tyler L poverty state. Well, three-time defensive player of the year. One of the best defensive players ever. No, he's not. He's not. No, he's not. Not even close. Rudy Gobert is one of the best rim protectors ever. He is, if you have him in the paint in front of the rim, he is a defensive force. You cannot get layups on him. He will change shots. No doubt about it. One foot out of the paint, what happens? The guy is, is, is useless. I mean, he is a cement block out of the paint. Like, he can't, John Collins. Why, why, why do I think the Jazz should not trade for John Collins? Because you put John Collins and Rudy Gobert outside the paint, they're the same guy. John Collins can't keep guys in front of him. Rudy Gobert can't keep guys in front of him. John Collins can't defend when somebody posts him up. Rudy Gobert can't defend when somebody posts him up. Rudy Gobert is not stopping guys from dunking on him because he's soft. Yeah. John Collins is not stopping anybody from dunking on him. He, Rudy Gobert is arguably the best rim protector of his generation. He is not the best defensive player of his generation. He is, in my opinion, not even an elite defender. He's an elite rim protector. And there's a huge, huge difference in that. 
fast. It, 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 there's a huge difference in that, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, let's see. Tanner Plummer says, Mont, do you still believe that Rudy is the best big man in jazz history? I do, yes. Absolutely. Neville 93, I don't miss Rudy. I miss Mitchell. He's, uh, did a diff- he did a difference for this team. He did. Donovan Mitchell made a difference on this team. The, where Rudy lost me 100% was his, his unwillingness to play in Dallas last year. When he sat out that Dallas game, you knew. should happen. You knew that Rudy wasn't ever going to be that guy. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know it to be true, but I have heard from more than one jazz source that, that, that that's the day that, that, that Rudy lost his team 100%. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Yep. You, when, once you lose the respect of your, of, your, of your locker room, dude. It's over. You're done. You're, you're likely never getting that back. Yeah. It's you're not like, happening. And, and it's funny. There's a highlight of Dak Prescott on the TV. Why does Dak Prescott lead the, lead the Dallas Cowboys? Because everybody loves that guy in that room. Everybody loves that guy. Yep. Because he runs through walls for people. He defends people. He says the right things. Why does nobody in the Arizona Cardinal locker room respect Kyler Murray? Keep it real. Because he says stupid things repeatedly and he's not good on the field. He has moments of brilliance, but nine times out of ten, he's going to fall down so he doesn't take a hit. And it's just, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy to me. You know, like it is, yeah. Skeet says, first rim protection is defense. What scoring is to offense? It's not. You not, know what? Dude. You know what the fundamentals of NBA defense are? The ability to defend from the broken line in the paint to the three-point strike. And if you look at guys like Devin Booker, it's not good enough to keep him off the three-point line anymore. You look at a guy like JT in Boston, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum dropping threes on top of everybody's head right now. So what are guys doing? Running him off the line. So what's he doing? Getting to the basket. It's not enough to defend the, the, the rim anymore. Yep. Because guys are scoring at three different levels. Right, so if you look at look at this conversation we've been having this morning about the the best the best scorers in the NBA right now, well, who are those guys? Jason Tatum scores at three levels, three mid range at the rim. Right, you look at Kevin Durant. How are you stopping Kevin Durant? How is Rudy Gobert going to stop Kevin Durant? He can't. Rudy Gobert couldn't stop Terrence Mann. How's he going to stop? How's he going to stop Kevin Durant? Bradley Beal, John Morant, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Donovan. How many Mitchell. times has John Morant tried to dunk on Rudy Gobert? Like there, there's no respect for him even at the rim. Yeah, the best players in the world fear not. They don't care if they get their shot blocked. They don't because they're going to come right back down and make that exact same shot. Rudy Gobert scares young players. Rudy Gobert does not scare Kevin Durant. He does not scare John Morant. He does not scare Bradley Beal. Yeah, he just, he just doesn't. And you see that translate on the world stage too. When they were playing FIBA or, you know, just Olympic tournaments. You know, like it, it is, it, it just isn't the same, you know. Skeet says, I can run people off the line. But the difference is, yeah, that's great. I can run people off the line. I can't keep anybody in front of me. I can't. I can't force. The problem for Rudy Gobert is, before we get to football at 50 here, the problem for Rudy Gobert is he's a one-trick pony on defense. He is a guy that if you if you say to him, hey, no layups, no dunks. Okay, great. He'll he'll get dunked on one out of every 10 tries, right? But then what happens with Miles Turner? When Rudy Gobert tries to pull Miles Turner's shorts down, Miles Turner ain't here for that. Miles Turner's not scared of you. Yeah. Rudy Gobert's not a tough guy. He's not a physical guy. This is what I say about RJ Barrett in New York. Yeah. Full display last night. Got pushed out of the way last night. You're not a tough guy. 
it, it, it's great you can block shots and change shots at the rim. That's really important. Rudy Gobert, all you have to do is pick and roll, switch on to Rudy Gobert, and go buy him for a layup. Because when he's trailing, he's not a good shot blocker from the trail position because guys will just reverse layup on him. So what did you? What, what was the real failing? Boyan Bogdanovich couldn't help because he cannot move laterally. Yeah. So you would have teams switch Rudy onto the same side of the floor with Boyan Bogdanovich. That was a regular occurrence last year. A regular occurrence. Love talking jazz basketball with you guys. Yeah. Love talking it. Let's go. Uh, 10 of the hour, every hour on the Monty Show. It is football at 50, presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Download the Papa Murphy's app on Do your it. phone. It's super easy to use. Download the app. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. And I'm telling you right now, when you order your next pizza, if you don't use barbecue sauce, you're a fraud. You just are. You're not a pizza guy if you haven't had pizza with barbecue sauce instead of red sauce. That's probably a little strong. Probably. I'm recommending that you, you my pizza of choice at, at, at Papa Murphy's, large traditional crust, barbecue sauce, cheese, mushroom, onion mix, pineapple, cheese, green onion. Boom. Put it on get the it smoker done. for 20 minutes. It's the best pizza you've ever had. Yeah, and then make sure you get the cookie dough and you pop that in too. Yeah, by the way, the chocolate chip cookie doughs at, at, at Papa Murphy's. Bomb. So good. As you can tell, I like cookies. Uh, what is the biggest story in the NFL? Let's talk about Kyler Murray. Yeah. Because I think this Patrick Peterson thing is a big flipping deal. This is a big deal. First of all, why is P2 upset with Kyler Murray? Because Kyler Murray said this. Um, no, it wasn't. That wasn't for Hop, actually. Um, schematically, I mean, they kind of, we, we were kind of fucked. Dude, that's Kyler Murray attacking his head coach. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. You're and not it a shows, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. It shows a complete lack of professionalism. Yeah. That's what's so shocking yeah. about what Kyler Murray said about Cliffy. Yeah. Well, guess what? P2 wasn't here for but that. It tells me he doesn't care about his, co his head coach. And he's putting everything on the head coach, basically saying... Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I got it. <laughs> so... <laughs> hey, I can't, I can't argue that I don't know him personally. You played with him for a few years, so I got to take your word for it. Dude, I think Patrick Peterson's exactly right. Yeah. I think that Kyler Murray is an arrogant, selfish, unrespecting jerk of a quarterback who got paid. He threatened to not play this year if they wouldn't extend him. They extend him, and he says things like, our schematics are effed. Yep. He continually rips his coach, waves up and down, yells and screams on the field. He's a petulant child. And it's high time that somebody called him out for that. Totally agree. And I think Kyler is just, it, it, the best way to describe it is like you just said, he's not a professional. And I think that Kyler is somebody who likes himself a lot of Kyler Murray. And Steve Kime is an absolute idiot for signing him to an extension. And we said that when they did it. Yeah, I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I would agree with that 100%. And, and the, the worst part about this is I look at the NFC West. That's the team that you should, should be like, dude, what happened in the Arizona Cardinals? You know what happened? Kyler Murray happened. And I think Kyler Murray lacks that respect in the in the locker room. It's a huge problem. It is absolutely a huge problem for the Arizona Cardinals. And now there's really no way around that other than to fire Cliff Kingsbury. But remember when they fired him, 
They're going to bring in a new guy, and that new guy's going to have the same set of issues because all the issues in Arizona, in my opinion, injuries, defense, okay. Kyler Murray's the biggest problem the in Arizona. The issues don't change when you replace your head coach, just so we're clear. No, when you have an immature superstar that's overpaid and underperforms, you can't Yeah. You can't coach out of that. Yeah. You absolutely cannot coach out of that. And you absolutely cannot get pizza without going to Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza. Step one, carefully knead dough. Step two, artfully spread sauce. Step three, add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four, realize we already did all that for you. So all you have to do is bake it. For a limited time only, get the hog heaven pizza with Canadian bacon, ground sausage, and crispy bacon. Papa Murphy's, change the way you pizza. Yeah, change the way you pizza by downloading the Papa Murphy's app right now in your app store and then use the promo code Monty25. The Monty Show is presented by The Advocates. Find them online, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. Jake? Yeah. The Jazz win last night. What was different? Yeah, you know, I think the Jazz are are obviously were going through this losing streak. They're really struggling Really, you know, having a hard time finding their way. And all that started with the Mike Conley injury. And I think that Mike Conley does a lot for you, including leadership, including getting you initiated into your offense. And and so watching this game last night, you know, you, you look at the box score and you, and you look at how this went down and you start to understand that the Jazz played with a lot of pace. You know, they, they got the ball up and down. And I think that's really where the that's really what determines their success or failure on a lot of nights offensively speaking because the issue is when this team gets into the to the set into their offense with you know 13 14 left on the shot clock you don't have Kevin Durant you don't have Devin Booker you don't have Donovan Mitchell as we just spent a few minutes talking about so you don't have that guy that can just create off of the dribble, like, you know, can create off of one pick and then you can get a shot and, and a lot of times that shot will go in. You don't, you don't have that opportunity. So as a team, you have to push the pace. You have to understand that, hey, we need to, like if, if, if the Clippers make a shot, we need to get that ball inbounded before their fifth guy is over the half court line. We got to get the ball inbounded and push it up the floor. So last night, you see that start to play out. And a lot of the numbers that I look at in this game that I really like, number one, three-point percentage. Jordan Clarkson, have a night from three. You know, you look at his numbers, he goes five and nine from three, 10 of 18 from the field, and several of those three-pointers were in transition. I really like that. Now, obviously, if you're missing those shots, I don't like it as much. But my point is, when you're playing with pace, you're going to get those opportunities. It needs to be said, the Clippers were were without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard last night, which I think absolutely matters. Hear me clearly, I'm not saying that that's the reason they won because of Clipper injuries. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when two of the best two-way players in the league don't play in any given game, you have to take advantage of that. And the way you take advantage of that is by pushing the pace. So again, you look at these numbers as a team. Last night, you shoot 43.8%, 44% from three. When that happens, when you make 14 of 32 attempts, you're going to win a lot of those games. Last year's team, we told you, hey, they need to take 53s a game and they need to make 40% of those threes. This team doesn't need to take that many, but they do need to make 40% of their threes in order to be successful. So the things I liked last night, like I said, you're playing with pace, you're getting in the offense a little bit earlier, but you're shot making. Because at the end of the day, it's a make or miss league. 
Devin Booker last night has this ridiculous performance. Jason Tatum has a ridiculous performance. I would appreciate if you would call him by his proper name. Well, that's his proper name. Sex Machine? No, no. His proper name is Devin Booker. (laughs) It is. Uh, I think you're spot on with the Jazz. And it's, it's exciting. It is. That's the thing. When you see this level of play from the Jazz, it's exciting to see them perform. Yeah. It's exciting to see improvement. The guy I'm most excited about is Colin Sexton. That's the best game I've seen him play in a Jazz uniform. And I'm not sure it's close. Like, you look at the way that they won that game. Mm-hmm. I still maintain, and you've touched on it, is the pace of that game. And I, I don't care who played for the Clippers. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. They played with pace. They looked better doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Colin had a great game. Probably his best game as a Jazz man. You know, 21 points. He's a plus 19. Six turnovers, which you don't love. He led the Jazz in that department last night. But he also had six assists, six rebounds. You know, three of those rebounds were defensive. Like, he was doing the job that he needed to do. And and again, again, you know, from the line, he's four or five. One or two from three. So he's his shot selection was good. You know, he, he, he contributed. That He contributed. And that's what you need him to do. But the overreaching point with the Jazz right now is because you don't have Mike Conley, because you've lost some structure in that sense, the the way you replace that is you play faster. Get more easy open looks and transition. Get to the line more often, and you will see this team will win more games. Absolutely. And I, I think it is you're starting to see why they extended Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that was one of the things when, when that contract came out and, and people were talking about that, there was a lot of surprise around extending Colin Sexton, but – I don't even care what the box score says. He just looks like a more ready player right now than he's ever looked in, in a Jazz uniform. And this is one of the reasons we always talk about, hey, get to the quarter post. Yeah. Get to that 20-game level and let's talk about how things have changed because I think you're seeing now, you know, Colin Sexton certainly has grown. I think we are, we are, and I, I don't want to be harsh about Jordan Clarkson, but we know who Jordan Clarkson is, yeah. right? I mean, we're seeing that this that he's a volume scorer. He's always been a volume scorer, right? You're seeing that Laurie Markkinen struggles with consistency. He's always struggled with consistency. Nobody knows that better than me. I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, and trust me, there's a reason he was wearing a Cleveland Cavalier uniform. Yep. But you're seeing Colin Sexton get back to that guy that he was, and that's what's really exciting. He needs to be that guy that he was, but with discipline inside of a system where he's able to leverage that ability to get into the paint. How many, how many almost and how many dunks did he throw down last night? Like the explosiveness, that knee looks back to me. Yeah, right? he has confidence in it. You know, we talked about that on the show yesterday about like, hey, how he like you have to remember he's coming off of a knee. And there are times where, you know, may, like, does he trust his knee? Do, is he fully confident? And I think games like last night show you that he is because you're not doing what he's doing if you're not confident that your knee is going to hold up. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, let's get some of your thoughts in here. Uh, Ron Nolan says, Monty, love your pizza choice. I noticed no protein. That must be for wife. Oh, no, that's for us. No, you know what? I, I have, I have, I've tried to eat less meat. You know, frankly, I worry about my health. You know, I'm going to be 50 years old. Like I worry about, I worry about my, you know, the awkward colon conversation. I worry about heart. Like, and I'm, I'm really knock on wood. I'm really healthy right now. And I've had, you know, three years straight of great physicals. And so I'm trying to do these little things to help, like not having meat on your pizza lowers the caloric intake of it. 
Um, you know, putting vegetables on your pizza really makes a big difference. Not so, eating for like 15 hours, you know? Yeah, barbecue sauce. He's right, though. Barbecue sauce with the veggies and cheese. You have to try thin sliced jalapenos on top. It's sweet and heated. Damn good. Yeah, I sweet with heat, I can do. I'm not a heat guy Yeah. when it comes to food. I'm not a heat guy at all. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, since we're talking about jazz big men in history, oh, God, are we really? Uh, Fasenko and Hadlockton. You have to put fan favorite Felton Spencer in there. Felton Spencer. Let's not get into the weeds there. Felton Spencer? Yeah. Uh, Tanner Palmer says, Felton Spencer? Yeah, I'm too young. You probably are. You probably are too young. Uh, Tanner says, this team still shoots too many threes, in my opinion. How do you figure? Like, Tanner, you were doing so well today. You were doing so well today. They only shot 32 threes last night. Why is that a problem? 18 of 32 last night. And you didn't have any one jazz man shoot more than nine, and Jordan Clarkson was that five of nine. You probably, you realize you probably need to make 17 to 20 threes a night to win a ball game, right? And the only question is how many threes is it going to take to get to that number? And and look, again, just my opinion, one basketball fan's opinion. I talk to enough NBA guys to know that the value in this league on three-point shooting is off the charts. Yeah. Huge. The best teams, what did, like, like if you look at, if you look at, who is the Warriors? The, best, the, the Golden State, well, look the, at the, Warriors. War, the Warriors are, I think the Warriors are a little different. Well. The Warriors are a little different in that they, their whole living is shooting the three. If I look at Brooklyn, Brooklyn last night only takes 26 threes and has to battle their way to beating Washington. But if I look at if I look at, you know, a, a a Boston. Like look at the way that Boston's playing. They've got the Miami Heat last night. Boston took 45 threes yeah. and made 22 of 45. See that number? 22 makes. 8 of 12 for Jason Tatum. You win that game handily. They score 134 points a game. Yeah. That that's saying something. That's the best offensive team in the NBA. I look at the Atlanta Hawks, right? The Atlanta Hawks last night score 125 points on 32 three-pointers. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Eight of 32. And they still scored 125 points last night. This is a, again, and this is going to sound horribly cliche, it's a make-or-miss league. Yep. The teams that shoot a lot of threes make more threes. I mean, that's... It's just number. It's like sales. The more calls you make, the more deals you're going to close. You, you so like, have you know. to shoot threes. Yeah. You know, I, I look at I look at a team like Minnesota last night, shoots 39 three-pointers and wins. Memphis shoots 26 and loses. Yep. It, it's formulaic. I look at the Milwaukee Bucks last night. The Milwaukee Bucks scored 109 points on 35 three-pointers. So it's not like the Jazz are taking an exorbitant amount. The Knicks score 103, and they go 6 of 30, right? So all three-point shooting teams are not created equal, but the one thing that's for sure, the teams that score a ton of points, like going 14 of 33 from three, scoring 126 points and winning is what the Pelicans did last night. Yep. Guys, you have to be able to do that. I don't think the Jazz shoot enough threes, and I don't think they rack up enough assists. Yeah. I mean, it, it... the Jazz right now, this current incarnation of the Utah Jazz, is reliant on winning the point in the paint battle 
and shooting threes. Which is kind of funny considering they don't have a real prolific big man right now. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think it's it's a hugely important it's a hugely important part of winning teams right now. Greg Hale says the truly great NBA players of the past not only could score and distribute the ball, but oftentimes found themselves on all defensive teams. Look at Kobe and, and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, Kobe flat out said himself that he defense was his main joy over the two, that he loved playing defense. And Michael Jordan had to work at it. Michael Jordan in the back half of his career had to work on defense and three-point shooting. And I think that those two guys, how many players have Jordan and Kobe inspired? Oh, thousands. Thousands. I mean, yeah. The 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 locked guys like Iman Shumpert that talk about Michael Jordan, lockdown defenders, like those guys not only were great defenders, they talked about being great defenders. That makes or breaks your definition as a superstar. Yeah. Because the if you look at Kevin Durant, nobody talks about Kevin Durant as a great defensive player. He's a pretty good defensive player. Yeah. But he rolls out of bed and his arms are longer than I am tall. Like he 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 should be a good defender. He should be a good rebounder. You look at guys like Giannis, he's a phenomenal defender because look at the way he's built. But it is going to be a guy like a Colin Sexton who's undersized as a guard. or It's going to be one of those guys who has no business being a dominant defensive player that turns into a dominant defensive player. Yeah. Because he worked at it. He put it into his craft. It's Donovan Mitchell. Sub-six-foot guard that you know played with a, one of the great rim, rim protectors of our time in Rudy Gobert. Didn't have to be a great defender. Now he goes to Cleveland and the expectations are much higher. Yeah. So what is he? All of a sudden now he's a more than serviceable defender who's working on footwork and consistently getting in the gym working on it, right? So he's becoming a better defender. My guess is he's going to be one of those guys that you're going to be like Donovan Mitchell's second team all defense. And I would say in the next couple of years, you'll find him on an all defensive team. Because he's he's a guy that takes pride in it. Yeah. You think he doesn't he, he he's talked about that yeah. people have said, hey, I'm not a good defender. Yeah. He, he, trust me. He's a guy, he's a guy that that wants it more than anybody. And he doesn't just talk, he actually does the job, which is what you should do. Stop talking and get to tridaytrading.com slash Monty today and watch the free webinar. Again, I, and I know I've been on this mantra the last six weeks or so, but I really am against New Year's resolutions. I'm against the idea that, well, you know, I know I'm fat and, hey, man, in January, I'm cutting all the carbs. Fat? Why are you doing that? Well, you know, I know I'm broke and in January, I'm really going to stop spending. Mm -hmm. Why are you going to wait till January? Well, in 2023, I'm going to make more money than I've ever made. I'm really ready to go. January 1st, I'm going to be a titan of industry. Right. Well, why are you waiting? Oh, it, it's all of these New Year's resolutions. Do it now. Do it today. And you know why you're going to do it? You're going to do it for yourself. You're going to do it for your family. You're going to do it for the people who count on you. You're going to do it to improve your relationship with yourself. And when I say you're going to do, you're going to go to trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Watch the free webinar. That's all you got to do. Stop making yourself promises that you and I both know are never coming true. Stop breaking your relationship with yourself because you lie to yourself all the time. Start making the money that you're supposed to make. Start making that money. Like one of the examples that has resonated with me the best is 
it frustrated me that my neighbor went to Disneyland twice a year, every year, and I couldn't afford to go once. So I did something about it. I went to TridayTrading.com, right? Like that's the example that really stands out to me, whether it's you want a new car, you want to get out of credit card debt, you want to buy a nicer house. The bottom line is you're money motivated. You're, you're cash motivated. If I said to you, hey, for the rest of, the, for the rest of this year, Hell, for the rest of this week, you can make $3,000 a day. Are you ready to do that? $1,000 a day for the next three days. You ready to do that? Yes, yes, yes. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty. If you woke up this morning hating your boss, trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Work for yourself. Be an entrepreneur. Be self-employed. Be the guy that provides for your family. Be the guy that drives the car, lives in the house, is the one that's at Disneyland by going to trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Stop getting on the side hustle wheel and Amazon FBA and I'm buying crates and I'm selling cars and no, dude, trydaytrading.com slash Monty because when you make money with Triday's money, because you know when you start day trading, you do it with Triday Trading's money, they're gonna give you 50% of the profit when you make money with Triday's money. Then you're gonna go out and learn how to make money and then you'll start spending your own. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Uh, let's get some more of your comments in here as we talk uh, NBA hoop. Brent Burnett says, Eaton has the most plus 10 block. Can, can we, you guys? Bro. Do you understand that the NBA is a completely different game than when Jordan, Eaton, Carl Malone, John Stockton, <laughs> like, get out of this habit. No, oh, Mark Eaton blocked shots. Like, he cared. Stop. Stop yourself. There's no such thing, and this is why I don't entertain this, this stupid-ass conversation every time it comes up with all due respect to Tanner. Yeah. I don't entertain this stupid-ass conversation of who's the best big man ever with who, all due respect. who wore Converse and double-knotted his shoes. Who cares? Hey, guys. You can't compare Shaq to Giannis. You can't compare Mark Eaton and Rudy Gobert. There's no comparison. Yeah. They played in two totally different eras of basketball. It's cool to throw out, you know, Fasanko's name. It's cool to, you can't compare Ennis Cantor and, and Rudy Gobert. You, like, the game is different now, you guys. Stop with this nonsense of, well, Mark Eaton was better than Rudy Gobert. What I don't know. What are you talking about? And I don't care because they played two totally different styles of games. Yep. Stop with, oh, LeBron James is better than Jordan. How do you know? How do you, if the officials would allow teams to treat LeBron the way they allowed teams to treat Jordan, how would LeBron be doing? That's what fucking takes me to fuck off. Stop it. There's just no reason yeah. to do that. There's no reason to do that because it, it's a, it's a fruitless conversation. It's a, it's a fruitless conversation. Tanner says, duck season, let's be real. The Oregon Ducks are a poverty school. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, you probably deserve that. Um, Brent Burnett says, Tanner and I can compare just because. You can. Sure, you can. It doesn't matter the era. Eaton had, offensive, uh, had an offensive game. Rudy does not. Okay, facts are not facts. Facts are not. You, I love that. No, facts are facts. No, they're not. No, they're not, actually. No. Yeah, Sorry, it, the era matters. Yes, it does. And yeah. by the way, by the numbers, because we all look at stats, Rudy's a better offensive player than, than Eaton was. So you might want to check yourself on that. Rudy Gobert, by the numbers, is one of the best offensive players at the center position ever. 
and we all know he's not. Stop. Stop. Like, stop. You're, you're crazy. You're crazy. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's one of those things. You know, I, I just think it's one of those things. Yeah, I, 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 don't know. I, I don't know. We like to do that in sports. We like to do that. Oh, uh, is Pepe better than Ronaldo? Oh, is, uh, you know, is Kimi Raikkonen better than uh, Lewis Hamilton? Is, is this guy better than that guy? Like, we do that in sports. That's our, that's our vibe. That's what we do, you yeah. know? And I think that it just does a disservice to both parties. There's no reason to. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, but real quick, I do think there's a conversation to be had about Jason Tatum versus Devin Booker. Again, dude, I, I don't, I don't know. This is one. Usually, I'm here for the current day comparisons, but I don't love this one. Like, they're both incredible scorers. Like, they, they both are. have developed. They both have gone through a lot of adversity. Like, I remember Jason Tatum dunking on LeBron, and then LeBron flexing and you know taking over the Eastern Conference Finals. I remember that. Yeah. You know, like I remember Book just being um, this young raw guy in the league who had to play with Dragan Bender and and Dragan Goran Bender. Dragic. Like, I remember those days, dude. Like Marquise Chris. Yeah, Marquise Chris. Like, I remember the Jamal Crawford sons with Book. Like, I remember Ugh. those days. Like, so these guys have both come a long way. And, and I love, honestly, I do think they're equal. I love both of them the same. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know what, I... I... I, 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 you know what? I think it is. I think it's one of those things where you just wind up running yourself into the ground on these. But I got to tell you, man, in his last 10 games, Jason Tatum is shooting 47% from the floor, 36% from three. He's averaging nine boards five times, a block, a steal, and 32 points a game. Yeah, bro. Oh, my God. Jason Tatum is out of his wig right now. And I think it's why the Celtics are so damn good because this is one of those teams where you went to the finals and you lost and you could have easily died. Yeah. Oh, then the Ime Udoka thing happened. Well, they're done. Nah, it turns out they're not. Turns out they're not because they're playing at a very high offensive level and defensively they're rock solid. Yeah. They're rock solid. And I think when you look at the Celtics – I think they have clearly established themselves in the class of as the class of the East. At some point, they need to win a championship, though. Like well, we've graduated well, it's right from, now. we've graduated from. Hey, they're great in the East, and they're gonna have to find the way around the Bucks. Like you need to beat the Bucks, you need to go to the finals, you need to win the finals. Like that it's has right to now. It's right now. Especially no with more... what Golden State did to you in your building to win the championship. Yeah, I think there's no more. There's no more room for error. And if you look at the the guys that are really contributing on that team. Obviously, it's Tatum Brown. You know, I think Malcolm Brogdon has been a huge pickup for them, and I know you're not a huge fan of that, but right. Malcolm Brogdon is averaging 14 points a game, yeah, four boards and four dimes. Yeah, he's like, contributing. Yeah, yeah he a, is. as a secondary player. Yeah, and you're still getting. And by the way, the other guy that that a lot of people aren't talking about, Marcus Smart, right now, it is shooting 36 percent, 36 percent from three. That's really good for a guy who couldn't shoot. Yeah. Right? Like, it is, it is, it's unbelievable to me. And Malcolm Brogdon's shooting the lights out from three. Like, you look at some of Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon's numbers, it is shocking to me that on the season, he is shooting 
49% from three. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon. And the the thing that is that is amazing is is that he's making them in a in a in a pretty consistent way. 21.6 boards and assists in 26 minutes last night. Yeah. I mean, he is a big part of why they're so good right now. Yeah, I mean, he's that he's that fringe guy that that really adds to a championship roster. Like those extra yes, he is. 10 to 20 points, you know, I'm sure on any given night he might be able to give you 20, but like 14 points may not seem like a ton, but it matters, yeah. and especially and this, how he gets them. But this Horford extension today? That matters as well. That matters. He is the glue on that team. That's what I'm saying. They're just building. Like the regular season, the Celtics are one of those teams, the regular season is inconsequential. You just need to get to the it postseason healthy. Matter. You know, get there and be on your way. I, just looking at some of their numbers, like guys like Sam Hauser contributing at a high level. Guys, you know, like Grant Williams. I, I just wish the guy wasn't such a hot. They're not going to resign him though. He's 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 playing for a job. He's such a hothead. Yeah. You can't trust him. But he's giving you minutes, right? And so you look at some of the guys that are like, I don't know. Malcolm Brogdon could be the pickup of the offseason. If they win a championship, he's going to be a, a big reason why. Yep. And I don't even know. I, the Sixers are supposedly getting guys Allegedly. back. Allegedly. I think they may be too far gone. Are Donnie and the Cavs capable of taking taking over the Bucks? Because the Bucks are also going to get Chris Middleton back here. Yeah. Are they are are Donnie and the Cavs capable of being better than the Milwaukee Bucks? Not ready to say that yet. The Bucks are a very tested team. Well, and they have a championship. Yeah, I'm not ready to say that Donnie can take the or can take the uh, the Bucks. Man, and again, just looking at some of the numbers, the guy that really stood out to me, Bobby Portis, <laughs> playing 27 minutes in Bobby a, in, Portis, uh, off my the guy. bench. Bobby Portis has given them 13 points a game. But are people myring? But again, he's he's shooting four threes a game at 33 percent. So he's giving you contributions, not just as a three-point shooter anymore. Like I, I think he's incredibly important. And you, you better have like Drew Holiday continues mm -hmm. to be their unsung hero. Yep. I think they're going to get better. But by the way, by the way, they've also gotten a halfway decent performance out of Javon Carter in instead of <laughs> instead of Chris Middleton. Another guy that was on the young guy book rosters in phoenix yes he was yeah yes he was do you you don't think that donnie and the Cavs can take over milwaukee no not yet not yet because the, the problem what what's the answer for Giannis? i mean i know evan mobley is mm -hmm. capable but like i i don't know man i just it, it really depends if they if they run their offense because that's how they're going to win that series by score just straight out flat out running good offense and getting good looks i mean that's how you have to beat the bucks because they're so good defensively so to me, if you can beat like yeah. if you can be your best offensively, if you're the Cavs, you'll probably have a good shot. But again, Giannis Hill is a scary proposition. Like you can slow down Kevin Durant here and there. You can slow down mid-range assassins here and there. But the problem is when Giannis is going downhill, it's impossible not to follow a guy. That's the problem. Well, and if he's shooting as well as he's shooting, I, I I'm also still waiting for him to have an injury. Like it's, I think At he is point. he is a physical freak of nature. I don't know how you how how he has stayed healthy. Excuse me, I don't know how he's stayed healthy. But again, I just I just will point out, Donnie and the Cavs, yeah, are a pretty good team. Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. I think Karis LeVert, and I know everybody mocked me for saying the Jazz should have gotten Karis LeVert last year at the deadline. 
Karis LeVert's giving them minutes. Yeah. And minutes that matter. So you look at him, you look at what they're getting from Kevin Love as almost a part-time player. Seti Osman's better because of Don. Yep. Yeah, I, I think What's his face? Uh, was it Dane or whatever his name is? The three-point shooter? God, I can't remember his name. Who, man, who are you talking about? Who are you? Raul Neto. No, no. You were talking about Raul Neto, right? No. Dean Wade is Dean who you're Wade. talking about. Yes. Better because of Donnie. Yeah. I'm t- Don's become a passer. Yeah. And not to wax on about the Eastern Conference, but Brooklyn's coming. I'm telling you, they've won three in a row. And it's they've beaten the Blazers, Magic, and Wizards. Not world beaters. Not world beaters. But they're coming. They got the Raptors tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. It is going to be very interesting. By the way, what do you make of this LeBron James, Jerry Jones situation? I think LeBron James, for once in his life, stepped up. That's what I think. All right, so if if you don't know this situation, and we talked about it on Football 50 a couple hours ago, Jera was photographed as a 14-year-old at a a school that was, and I'm trying to be gentle here, this photo that's on the screen right now, the red circle is Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. This is a group of white men teenagers trying to keep six young black men from going to school at their school in Little Rock in high school. Yeah. Jerry Jones was photographed there. Jerry Jones was asked about this and Jerry Jones said, well, I was just curious what was going on. But note that Jerry Jones never said, but you know, I was curious what was going on. But when I saw what was going on, I left. Oh, when I saw that what was happening, well, you know, I was a, I was just a 14 year old kid, you know, now obviously I'm more aware. I I know that there's no place in our society for racism, right? There's no place in our society for bigotry. He didn't say any of that. He said, I was a 14 year old kid who was curious. And then he stopped. And LeBron James last night after the Laker game in which they won, LeBron was none too happy that the media has not asked him about this Jerry Jones photo because you'll remember that LeBron and Jerry Jones were actually quite close. LeBron was a massive Dallas Cowboy fan. And I want to say, like, Jerry Jones offered him a contract. Like, they were very close. And then the Kaepernick kneeling situation happened and Jerry said he would not allow his players to kneel. And then they did that fake kneel. And with the Cowboys, you'll remember, and LeBron cut off all ties to Jerry Jones and said this last night. I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Okay. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I don't even want you guys to say nothing. When I watched Kyrie talk and he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things that we've been through. And that Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. And I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a 
platform, when we do something wrong or, or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid, every single news coverage, it's on the bottom ticker, it's asked about every single day. But it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo, and I know it was years and years ago and we all make mistakes, I get it. But it seemed like it's just been buried under like, oh, it happened, okay, we just, we just move on. And I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. Appreciate it. Ooh. And there's the photo he was talking about. So now the question has to be asked. Do you agree or disagree with LeBron? Because I got to tell you, I agree with him. 100% I agree. I'm not a big LeBron guy. You know that. But I agree with LeBron in this situation because how much heat did Kyrie catch? A lot. Kyrie lost his income. Kyrie not only lost money as a player during his suspension, he had to then donate half a million dollars. He was forced to meet with community groups, Jewish community groups. He was forced to meet with leaders of the Jewish community. He was forced to meet with the owner of his team. He was forced to meet with the commissioner in the NBA. And Jerry Jones isn't forced to do anything. Jerry Jones is a white guy that's a billionaire and Arguably, arguably the most powerful owner in all of sports. And he wasn't asked to be even really explain the situation. I was a young 14-year-old. I was curious. He hasn't stepped up and said, well, you know, I condemn racism in all of its forms. Now, I, I you know, I look back on that now and I realized that as a 14-year-old kid, I was naive. Now, of course, I know that there's no place for segregation and racism and bigotry in our society. He didn't say that. He doesn't have to meet with black community leaders. He doesn't have to go meet with Roger Goodell. He doesn't have to do any of this. But Kyrie Irving did. Why? Why, why is there no accountability for Jerry Jones? And again, hey, he was 14 years old. I totally understand that. Jerry Jones was pictured and as part of an angry mob, very clearly, look at the faces of those. Look at the guy smoking the cigarette. Look at that guy smoking that cigarette. What do you think is on his mind? Look at the guy directly over his right shoulder laughing at those young black men, trying to get educated. What is Jerry Jones? 20 feet from that? And, and you're just going to say that there was no... You were just curious. Even though there's TV cameras there and reporters there very clearly, you were just curious. Even though there are older, older individuals in that crowd, you were just curious. Mm -hmm. You knew what you were doing there. Okay, but let's give, let's give Jarrah the benefit of the doubt. He didn't know about it. He didn't know what it was. He didn't condone it. You're still photographed in a moment where young black men are being denied their education. And you had an opportunity as a 70-year-old man to say, hey, I condemn racism in all of its forms, and you didn't do that. Kyrie Irving, and I don't agree with anything that Kyrie said. I don't think anybody does. Kyrie Irving arguably has lost a good part of his legacy, his money. He had to do this. He had to jump through all these hoops. But that's because he's a young black guy, in my opinion. Jerry Jones is an old white billionaire. There's no chance anybody's going to hold him accountable for anything. Well, who would that even be? 
Roger Goodell, you would think the commissioner, the other owners, players, the players union, nobody, nothing, nobody will let, because he's a rich white guy and Kyrie is a rich black young man. So Kyrie has no sway. Jerry Jones has all the sway because he's a rich billionaire white guy. And I just think it's, it's completely wrong. I don't think what Jerry Jones did is the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think that Jerry Jones should be in trouble but are you telling me that you're Jerry Jones and you don't even, and granted, Little Rock in the 60s, we all know what that was. We all know what segregation was. But are you telling me that Jerry Jones doesn't even have a thought on, on what was happening in that picture? You know how much power Jerry Jones has? It's like the media in Salt Lake City. Who's going to ask the follow-up question? Who's got the balls to ask the follow-up question? Because my guess in Dallas is nobody. Nobody's hat carries enough gallons in flipping Texas to ask Jerry Jones if he condemns racism. And by the way, they shouldn't have to ask. He should have said it. Yeah. He should have said, I condemn racism in all of its forms. But did he? No, he didn't. So again, go ahead and rip LeBron James, but tell me LeBron's wrong here. Make me the argument that LeBron's talking out of turn or he's talking out of both sides of his mouth because he's not. This is the first time and I want, to, I want to set this right. I have criticized LeBron James during the Black Lives Matter rallies for being at the back of the line on a bicycle. Yeah. This is the first time that I can recall where LeBron James in front of the media has used the fact that he is a black man, that he is a multi, multi, almost a billionaire. And what did he say? I have power and a platform and I'm using it. It's about time, dude. It's about time that a black man with influence and power not named Obama steps up and speaks to the issues in the black community. But it's going nowhere. It's going nowhere. It is. It, it, his words will fall on deaf ears because nobody's going after Jerry Jones. Yeah, and that's the age-old discussion. How bad do you want it? Colin Kaepernick was willing to sacrifice his career. I'm telling you, he's right here. He is absolutely right here. Yeah. It, it is, It is. in my opinion. And that's the thing. White owner versus black player. Age-old discussion, right? I mean, that's how it's always been. And, and it's, it's weird because I can't remember me ever siding with LeBron on anything. I can't remember siding with him on, especially issues of social. You know why you can't remember? Because he's never taken a stand. No. So there's nothing to side with. And I, I think you could almost explain away guys like Jordan and Tiger Woods not taking a stand. Different time, different place, right? This thing with LeBron, I mean, it, 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 it's absolutely the right time and the right place. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just, it's about time. This is one of those conversations that people don't want to have. Yeah, well, it's uncomfortable. They don't, they don't, they, we, you know, we, we don't ever in our country want to sit here and say, yeah, wow. Hmm. There's a clear double standard here. Now, what Kyrie did, totally wrong. Would never condone any type of those, you know, like would no, never No, he absolutely support. deserved the heat yeah, that he like got. Yeah, like he deserved no the heat that he it. got, but I but I think that the 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 conversation is less about hey, what did these two guys do and more about it's not getting fair coverage. It's not there's not a fair level of accountability and and that to me 
is the issue. And the problem is in the NFL, no one, no one, including Roger Goodell, is going to hold Jerry Jones accountable because Roger Goodell works for Jerry Jones. Anybody realize that? He works for the owners. His job he is does. to make them money. So why would Jerry Jones or why would uh, Roger Goodell come out and and criticize Jerry Jones? It would have to come from the players. And the players in the NFL know damn well it's not worth their time. So nothing's going to happen to Jerry Jones, just like nothing happened to good old Bob Kraft in the massage parlor. Cops be damned, right? But everything happens to the players, and that's yeah. that's the issue. You look at the coverage Deshaun Watson has got, right? Jerry Jones isn't going to get that kind of coverage for this. Why would he, right? White owner, Dallas Cowboys, enough said. And, and I think the interesting thing is everybody wants to compare Kyrie and... I don't know. I think Deshaun Watson's in a hemisphere of his own based on what he did. But just look at the level of coverage. Just yeah, purely I, the level I totally of agree. Anytime, I think it's hard to argue that in this country, anytime a black athlete steps out of line, I mean, they become a pariah. Yeah. There are very few exceptions to that. Mike Vick might be one of the exceptions to that. But Colin Kaepernick is probably the best example of this. You have a guy in Colin Kaepernick who lost everything in football, exercising his rights. You have a guy in Kyrie Irving who has lost millions and millions of dollars over this anti-Semitic verbiage that he has used. But again, you have a guy in Jerry Jones who took part in the blocking of education to young black men in Little Rock. Can we just say it? He took part in racism. Is that is that like it, why is it you, so uncomfortable I mean, to you say can that? Say, I, I, listen, you can say that, and you can take him at face value in his explanation. If you took Kyrie at face value, and if you took Colin Kaepernick at face value, why can't we take Jerry Jones at face value? He said, "I was a fourteen-year-old young guy. I was curious." But I'm also going to take him at face value because he has never come out and condemned racism. He has never come out and condemned, you know, the, the oppression of young black men and taking away educational opportunities simply because they're black men. So if we are going to hold Colin Kaepernick and Kyrie Irving to this level, why are we not holding Jerry Jones to the same level? Maybe that's the biggest difference. You look at you look at the difference in situations here, just for a second, because I think it matters. Colin Kaepernick, that situation was because Colin Kaepernick proactively did something, and people didn't like what he was doing. Jerry Jones' situation is reactive. Hey, a photo came out. I got to explain this away. All right, great. Kyrie is reactive, right? Hey, I'm Kyrie. I did this thing on Twitter. Now I got to face you know I got to face the music now. Right. And when given multiple opportunities, just kept being anti-Semitic and kept using anti-Semitic right. language. Right. So I just, I don't know. I, I'm sure, you know, our, our fan favorite Ruffs official or whoever the hell in the comments is saying some asinine things. And that's <laughs> fine. We're always going to have those guys on the show. And that's cool. But what I'm here to say is that there is a double standard. There always has been. And unfortunately, in my opinion, there always will be. Because until... Until owners making money is tied to something other than ticket sales, nothing's going to change. Like, yeah. it's not. And I, the, the hard part is I'm not going to have the conversation about... I'm not going to have the conversation about what Kyrie said or did. 
Kyrie Irving acted as and used the language of an anti-Semite. Yeah. There's not a conversation about that. There's not. That's what he did, right? Like, duck season, I'm not surprised. Deshaun Watson is not guilty. He did nothing wrong. Deshaun Watson has not gone to court. Deshaun Watson, if he was innocent and did nothing wrong, why did he pay women? Why did he settle those cases? Right? And it's the, the hard part is, has Deshaun Watson ever denied the allegations against him? Deshaun Watson's never come out and said, no, I never used a washcloth. Deshaun Watson's never denied that there was sexual activity between him and those women. So if you're going to run out with Deshaun Watson's not guilty, you should probably know what you're talking about because that's 100% false. 100% false. Uh, Eric and Raleigh said, Irving's problem is that he has been outspokenly stupid on so many things. He brings the heat on himself because he, quote, thinks he's educated when he's not. I would agree with that. The damage that Kyrie Irving did to himself is but again self-inflicted but again i think he has a right to not take a vaccine he has a right to say what he wants on twitter that's not the conversation the conversation is you can say and do those things but there's going to be ramifications unless you're jerry jones and you're white and you're an owner i don't think anybody questions Kyrie's right to be an anti-semite I, yeah. I just like don't. he has that right. Yeah, he absolutely. Can do that. You want to be a bigot. You want to be a racist. You, you have that right. Please step forward and announce yourself as that, though. Yeah. Like Jerry did right? in the photo. Right. The difference is, is he's not going to get punished. That's the difference. And I think it's just so clear. And I think that LeBron, it, I applaud LeBron for saying this because LeBron, in my opinion, pretty much is bulletproof. He can stand and do these things with where he's at. And nothing's going to happen because like, his career is behind him now, right? Yeah. So, so he's in the twilight days of his career, which is very different than where a lot of other guys are. And so he can say and do things as one of the best basketball players of all time, as one of the most powerful basketball players of all time. And he has a responsibility. And I, I think, you know, again, I've been with you in the criticism. Uh, he deserves credit for this. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I, I think I look at some of these comments like, I, you know, I, I just, like Ruff's official. How many NFL players have been charged with crimes and are still playing? Must be the privilege. But they had to pay the, they, the dues, are bro. You kidding? The, are pun, you the, serious? The, the discipline that is handed down by the NFL. And I don't even defend those guys. Domestic violence. You it's know, unacceptable. I, I, are, are, come on now. Like the discipline in the NFL is over the top by far. They're over the top by far. You know, like it, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Ron Nolan says, you guys are way off. That's fine. Utah Jizz says, Kyrie's issue was having an ego and simply refusing to apologize. Dude couldn't have, could have said anti-Semitism uh, is bad. I'm sorry. And everything would have been fine. And we would have moved on. We would have. If he just said, and I, I condemn anti-Semitism in all of its forms. Yeah. We'd have moved on. And I and I have to say, I don't know why that's so difficult for athletes and owners just to say, hey, yeah, you know what? Like you just said, I'm Jerry Jones. I was photographed. I was just curious. But now, you know, with where I'm at in my life and the wisdom I've gained over my life, I, I you know, I I disagree with racism in all of its forms. I, I do not support it. I am not 
of that thought process. Like, it's unacceptable. It's not difficult. Uh, Brett Burnett says, the Monty Show, good show, because we all get to say whatever. That's a fact. Oh, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, you can say whatever the hell. Again, again doesn't mean see, we're going to agree perfect. with you. It's, see, this is a perfect comment. You can say and do whatever the hell you want in the world, right? Let's just be very clear. You want to go out and you want to commit a crime against somebody or a business or whatever? Great. You can do that. But there's going to be consequences. Yeah. You can say all that stuff, but there will be consequences. And Ruff's official, again, completely out of your mind. You have no idea what you're talking about. Punish a 14-year-old for being in the back of a photo 60 years ago. What a stupid take. You're, you're... Who is said to punish Jerry Jones for being in that photo? <laughs> when has that ever been talked about on the show? I sometimes question, Ruff. <laughs> Whether you're mentally well, with he doesn't. Some of these but things. no, what you have to understand is Ruffs doesn't believe Ruffs official does not believe a single thing that he says. He is only here to stir the pot. Yeah, which wow. is why we went like six months and refused to read your comments. Yeah, and we're getting back to that level. You know, like it we're is. Getting back it, we're getting. You're close to not. We're not going to read your comments because yeah. stuff like this That's is just one stupid. of the dumbest things I've ever. Nobody heard. has ever said that. Nobody has ever said he should be punished for being in the back of that photo. Nobody. I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, Tanner says you can be a bigot or an anti-Semite, uh, but expect to face the repercussions for your beliefs. It's not even your beliefs. It is the things you say and do. Yeah. That's what you're, you're in our society. Freedom is not free. Again, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about the fact that the second amendment absolutely creates an atmosphere for mass shootings. Yeah. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about the fact that you can't say and do anything you want. You think you can. You cannot. We don't want to talk about that. In our country, we have societal norms. Historically, over the last seven years, things have changed. Historically, being an anti-Semite was out of societal norms. Historically, uh, being a bigot and a racist was out of societal norms. Historically, shooting a bunch of people with guns was out of societal norms. Unfortunately, all of those things have become societal norms now in this country. Come on, man. We have a ton of anti-Semitism. We have a, a ton of, of bigotry towards blacks, Latinos, Asians. Look at all the, look at all the, the, the vitriol, anger, violence, crime against the Asian community. The coronavirus. It's who we are now, right? That's who we are. So this picture of Jerry Jones, this picture of Jerry Jones... The issue is not that he was a 14-year-old kid standing at the back of, of this photo. Yeah. That's not the issue. And like we said, if he'd have said, I was just, because his answer was, I'm a 14-year-old kid in that photo, I was curious. But there was no and. He's being held to account by LeBron James because... He didn't say, I was a curious 14-year-old, but I realize now that there is no place in our country for segregation. There is no place in our country, as you see in this photo, for a gang of white young men to try and suppress educational opportunities to young black men. Jerry Jones has never come forward and said, there's no place in our country for bigotry. Yeah, There's no place in our country for racism. But the thing you also have to understand is that Jerry Jones is an elderly white billionaire who grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. So that's probably not what he believes. And by not saying so, 
but yet taking part in a photo like that and not decrying racism. Yeah. It creates the belief that he believes in racism. It's just, I'm telling you, if he was a, if he was a black person, if he was a Latino, if he were, was an Asian person, this would be a different conversation. Yeah. This would be a different conversation. Yep. You know, like I, I just, I just wish, and it's stupid to wish. I get it. I wish we could have this conversation openly and honestly in society, but we can't. So it's guys like LeBron. And I will just again say, if you are LeBron James, you have more power and influence than the president, any senator, than any former president, black, white, anybody of influence. Find me somebody who's got more influence in the black community than LeBron James. Find me anyone who's got more influence in the sports community than LeBron James. Because when LeBron James talks about Jerry Jones being a, uh, a racist, everybody listens. Yep. So Jerry's not going to be able to hide from this. And my guess is Jerry Jones comes out. I'd be surprised if he actually, we heard or heard his words or saw him speak words of, of I condemn any form of bigotry. Nope. It'll be a post. It'll be a statement. It, it, exactly right. Just like Kyrie. His PR people, hit, they'll put that out. His radio station in Dallas, the TV stations in Dallas will all read a prepared statement. Oh, my God. Jerry Jones releases a statement. Let's all read it. Why And why? Because like most people, he's, he, most white billionaires don't want to be on camera saying that they decry racism and bigotry when they don't. Because what happens when you, when you are Kyrie Irving, and this is the Kyrie problem. Kyrie Irving for weeks tried to outdo Kanye West in the anti-Semitism battle. Right? Like, Kyrie Irving tried to be more of an anti-Semite than Kanye West. Some shit happened. And then refused to apologize for it on multiple occasions, two of which were only applied to him so he could apologize. I'm a man! And yet did not. Have we heard Kyrie Irving say, "I, I decry, I deplore, I condemn... Full stop. Any anti-Semitism. Yeah, next question. We haven't. He issued a prepared statement. Yeah, please respect my privacy. Next question. Right? And so they don't want to do that because they don't believe that. Yeah, next question. And so when you come out and you say, Jerry Jones, I'm Jerry Jones, the white billionaire owner of the Cowboys, I condemn all forms of racism. There are more pictures. I guarantee it. There are more situations. And people are just sitting here waiting for Jerry Jones to say he decries racism. Is this the dagger? Because you know, this is how racists get caught. Yeah. This is how they get outed. This is our world. This because it's, hey, what did Josh Hader, what Josh Hader tweeted, you know, horrible things 10 years ago. Yeah. Right, I, I, you look at Jerry Jones; it's the same thing. You you got photographed 
in a situation where a group of white guys were trying to keep black people from getting educated. That's pretty much self-explanatory. In my opinion, you're probably a racist. You're probably a bigot. But nobody wants to say that. You're a, uh, I, I don't, look, how old is Jerry Jones? What is he's he, 78? No, he's in his 80s, I think. Is he? Jerry Jones, let's call him a, a, a late 70s guy. Jerry Jones, excuse me, 80 on the dot, 1942. Jerry Jones is an 80-year-old white billionaire who grew up in Little Rock. Okay, take out the, take out the billionaire. He's an 80-year-old white guy that grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1940, 42 to 62. What do you think his thoughts on segregation are? I think you know what they are. I think Jerry Jones, in my opinion, is a racist. And so he's not going to step up and say, I, can, I condemn racism and bigotry in all of its forms. Because that's not what billionaire white guys who are racist do. No. That's not what they do, man. That's not how they operate, You know bro. that. I know that. Jerry knows that. Facts. You know the problem with Jerry Jones is? Jerry Jones has billions of dollars to cover his bigotry tracks. Yeah. Jerry, this is Deshaun Watson. Why is Deshaun Watson not found guilty of, of sexual harassment and assault? <coughs> well, because his millions bought him out of it. Yep. Right? I mean, Jerry but Jones. I just want to say it, right? Jerry Jones is 80 years old. We're all uncomfortable to say that, hey, this is an 80 year old white guy who likes himself some, some Dallas Cowboys and salted breakfast sandwiches. Yeah. And, you know, doesn't want to come out and say that. It, it, it Why just is. Why is that so uncomfortable? It just is what it is, man. You know? Uh, Justin Salas says 99% of this country think anti sentiment anti-Semitism is unacceptable. I agree there is an uptick in anti-Semitism, but our world, our words matter, and I don't think anti-Semitism is a societal norm, man. Dude. I wouldn't say it's a societal norm, maybe, but I definitely maybe think there's societal, more of it. Yeah, maybe societal norm is too much. Netflix you, is a societal norm, right? Like, like driving your car on the right side of the road is a societal norm. But there is no question that with the advent of social media the last two decades... Racism mm. and things like anti-Semitism are way up. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. You're not, maybe I went too far with societal norm. But. However you want to describe it. There, listen, there are, there are new platforms and new ways to spew your opinion. Like, it's just the truth. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not in dispute. So that, that's what's going to happen. So again, it's not about the picture, guys. It's not about the damn picture. What it's about is Kyrie, Jera, like Bob Kraft, like all these guys. And the, it, uh, but, uh, but wait, 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 wait. The hard part is that Kyrie Irving, are you telling me that Kyrie Irving was born an anti-Semite? No. Nope. Are you telling me that Jerry Jones in 1942 in Little Rock, Arkansas, was born a, uh, somebody that believed in segregation? You know what happened to Jerry Jones? Glad you brought this up. Jerry Jones was born in Los Angeles, California, and he moved, his family moved to North Little Rock when he was very, very young. Too young to know the difference about where life started. So he grew up in that culture. So I have no doubt 
that the culture in that picture is rampant with racism. There's no question about it. But what did that culture do to Jerry Jones? It yes. taught him yes. that black kids can't go to school with white kids. It taught him that there are whites only fountains, whites it only counters. It taught him that black people are not equal to white people. It taught him racism. Yes. Jerry Jones did not pop out of the womb with, you know, a Confederate flag draped, you know, like, I, it doesn't work guys, that way. You're not born hateful. Yeah. That's the problem. Kyrie Irving has learned to be an anti-Semite. And my problem with both of these guys, in, like, is that you had opportunities. Like, I agree with the concept that Kyrie Irving would not have had the punishment he had. The media coverage would not have been so steep. If that first time he was in front of the press, the first time when he had that fight with Fidel, if he did not fought with Fidel, and he said, you know what, man? You know what? I understand you're doing your job. You got a question to ask. Totally understand it. Here's what I have to say. We see that all the time in the media. Yes. Right? We see it all the time. Hey, hey, what color is the sky? Well, you know, my car's out of gas, so I got to go and talk about this. Hey, are you an anti-Semite? Like, you know, it's interesting. I just thought that we didn't uh, protect the rim enough. And that's what generally happens. Yeah. Somebody will ask you a question. And I, I, I've interviewed thousands, tens of thousands of people. Yeah. You ask a question, they answer whatever question they want. Yeah. Hey, are you a racist? You know, I think it's tulips instead of sunflowers because I don't want the bees to come around. Fucking A. That's what happens. But, you know, I think, I think it is... Well, Ron, that's an interesting question. Jerry has the freedom of non-speech, your thoughts, his right. Well, he doesn't actually. When you are photographed at an event like Jero was photographed at, and again, if you're, if you're just coming into the show, when you're photographed in this photograph, you don't have the right to silence. I mean, he does. He doesn't have to talk about it. But his non-talking about it is why LeBron is talking about it. And everyone wants to say, I heard it on ESPN this morning, been hearing it the last couple of days since this has been the story. Well, he only cares about things that affect his bottom line. Then I expect him not to be silent. I, I would agree with that. I expect him to talk. I expect him to set the record straight. Jeremy Bolton says, the fact that Jerry didn't say much about it says a lot about Jerry Jones. It does. Yeah. It I, does. And I just don't think that that's a difficult concept to understand. I don't think that that is some, some rocket science take. Like, it's true and simple. Yeah. It's, Skeet says, it's ridiculous to have conversations about assumptions and form opinions on hearsay. And that's what the Kyrie conversation is. It's not hearsay. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Hearsay means that you heard it. It's like a game of telephone. That's what hearsay is. I don't need to wonder what Kyrie thinks about, you know, these issues. Because I heard him say it five times. I don't have to wonder if... If Kanye West is an anti-Semite because I've heard him talk about it. I don't have to wonder because I've heard Kyrie talk about it. And if you don't understand by now what the contents of that movie and book are, that's a you problem. I am not going to talk about that movie or that book on this show. So I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give breath to that thing. But what I will say is, by him tweeting about that book and movie, by him tweeting about Alex Jones, he does give breath to that beast. Infowars.com. And then to say the things he said only further cemented his position as an anti-Semite, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. 
on the things he's said and the things he's done and the way that he's conducted himself. It's just my opinion. Would your opinion be different if he had come out and said, you know, condemned anti-Semitism? If Kyrie Irving to Nick Friedle, because having worked around Nick Friedle a little bit, I can tell you he is a professional and what he did was not wrong. If Kyrie Irving, when Nick Friedle had asked him about that movie and that book and being an anti-Semite, if Kyrie Irving would have said what by some accounts he, he was told to say, which is, hey, I didn't fully understand the reach and the, the contents of the movie and the book. And I should not have tweeted about it. And I am sorry that I did so. And I am sorry that I promoted an anti-Semitic piece of content. I am not an anti-Semite and I do not in any way, shape or form condone anti-Semitism. And I want to make this very clear. I'm sorry. Kyrie Irving would have not missed a single game, would not missed a single check, would not have lost sponsor after sponsor after sponsor. He'd still today have a Nike deal. But he doesn't because he, he attacked the guy and then attacked other media members. And then they set up two press conferences for him to address it because they told him you have to apologize. And he agreed to apologize and then went full Wolf of Wall Street and said, I'm not leaving. Yeah. What else were the Nets supposed to do? In fact, I want to make the argument the Nets didn't go far enough. They should have cut him and he'd never play another game in the NBA. Yeah. Period. It's just what it is, man. It is what it is. And th this is the pr this is what our country, I, I, anyway. Anyway, Amber, uh, good morning, Amber. My friends, I made it. And for such a heavy, important topic, I'm glad y'all tackle the hard stuff even when it's uncomfortable. It, we have to. Yeah, here's That's the thing. That's exactly right, here's, Amber. Here's, what, here's what's not going to happen on this show. We're not going to We're not gonna skip the inconvenience stuff because no. that's what happens in this town that nobody wants to talk about the hard stuff. They want to just talk about convenience stuff and, and, and easy to talk about stuff. And that's not this show. And the comments section for as you know, turbulent as it probably is right now, it's necessary. The conversation has to happen. And, and I think that, that it's just, I, again, this is why I applaud LeBron, right? This is why I think LeBron needs to speak more. I'm not saying the guy's got to turn into a social activist per se, but I do think that timely, uh, and necessary comments would be highly productive out of the LeBron James camp for the world. And, and this is the first of what I hope is many. Yep. Uh, Eric C. says racism is taught from a young age, Ruffs. It is. I agree. You don't roll out of the womb hating black people. That's not how it works. That's just not how it works. Yeah, I would agree with that. Kanye, uh, Kanai Johnson says, how about Kanye West's daughter wearing a Star of David shirt while being with her dad? She's taking shots at her dad. <laughs> I didn't see that. I did not see that. Uh, let, let's see. Uh, Lopes fan Gabe says it's better for Jarrah to remain silent and be taught, thought a racist or for him to speak further and remove all doubt. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And I, again, that's why I think if he comments on this or whatever, he will only release it through a prepared statement. Yeah. Cause I think now LeBron talking about it last night, absolutely turned the heat up on him. There's no doubt about that. Uh, big dog. Oh, Tom, what's up? My guy He says, well, Jerry won't even fake getting a prepared statement. Uh, know what that is. Yeah, maybe, maybe he won't. Yeah, I mean, if Jerry says nothing, then I have no choice but to assume that you're racist. Yeah. I don't have a choice. You're not giving me anywhere to go. Oh, duck season. It was so fun having you on the show. 
I don't feel no shame for our chant against BYU. That organization is a joke and does more harm than good. Well, good luck. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, Duck season, it's not hard to be a decent person or be respectful of others and their beliefs. Come on, man. And, and again, this is a huge part of this conversation. Yep, it's a great point. You can't respect the Mormons because they're Mormons. You can't respect the Catholics because they're Catholics. The Muslims because they're Muslims. Yet you want to cry about freedom. Why can we not respect people's freedoms to believe what they want to believe? What what is and this is gay marriage, this is you know, whatever oh, you mean Stanford? Yeah. This is like same sex households. I don't yeah. know how many people saw this story. Same sex households are at an all time high in this country. Uh-huh. But we're having trouble passing legislation to protect same sex marriage. <laughs> but we want to talk about freedoms, but women don't have a right to control their own health health and their own body health. <clears throat> We want to say, hey, don't take my guns away, but you're going to have that baby, right? We want to say, well, but isn't that the same thing as protecting anti-Semitism? No, listen, nobody has said that you can't be an anti-Semite. Right. Nobody has said that you can't hate black people and use the N-word. Nobody has said that you can't hate white people and, or hate Asian people or hate Latinos but there are repercussions for those words and those feelings, right? There are repercussions. The problem is when you're a rich white guy, that means you're either a president, a senator, or an owner of an NFL team, you have no repercussions. So- With all due respect. So it's free when, when people are, you know, using guns for mass shootings, but she, she wants to terminate that pregnancy. Yeah, that's not her choice because it's my body, not hers. Yeah. And right? she should meet with her political leaders and, you know, her religious leaders. That's where we've come to in this country. We can't respect somebody because they want to believe in Allah. We can't, we can't respect somebody because, you know, hey, they believe in plural marriage. Or, yeah. hey, they believe in gay marriage. Or, oh, whew, she's trans? No, no. Never mind, it does no damage to you personally or your family. That's wrong. Right, I, I, I don't care. Like the Mormon thing is hysterical to me because you're chanting a full section in a stadium is chanting F the Mormons. Yeah. No repercussions. You bring Duke volleyball here and they, by my opinion, make up some accusation that they were racially abused. There's, get your facts straight. There's zero evidence of it. There's no audio. There's no video. There, nothing. Nothing. We have full audio and video of the people chanting F the Mormons. Yep. We have a full halftime show from the Stanford band taking shots at the Mormons. Hmm. Nothing happened to all those to, to Oregon or Stanford. BYU loses teams, games, and revenue. And is again known as a racist institution with no evidence. Yet all that crap is on tape. There's nothing on tape at BYU. Why is that? Well, because they're Mormons. And it, they're, you know, the LDS church is an easy target and nobody's going to stand up and protect them. That's why. If we're being totally honest about it, that's why it's okay for Oregon to come in and be like F the Mormons and for Stanford to, to take their shots at marriage you and repopulating the earth. You did a show about gay marriage. Come on. Dude. What are we even doing?
what are we even doing? Anyway, all right, there you go. Good talk. They're into the lesson. Glad, glad that glad that Ruff's official and Duck season can uh, put their beliefs on full display. Really, yeah. really fun. I don't know. I thought that you know. Okay, can we have the argument about about Jack in the Box and? Yeah, because now I'm hungry. So. <laughs> okay, so one of our St. George listeners, Rodney. Yeah. DM'd me yesterday and was like, "Hey." I know you guys are big fans of Jack in the Box. Right. I know that you guys love you some Jack. Right. So I was there today and I had the extreme sausage sandwich. Good choice. And he said it is far better than any burger on the menu. Um, including the ultimate cheeseburger. Um, Bro. You're you're stepping over lines now. Fight me on it. Um, that's how he ended that you know, that DM, and some laughing emojis. I, I I here's the problem. He's probably not wrong. Stop. You're not serious. Oh, the the extreme sausage sandwich at, at Jack in the Box. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Never mind that it quite literally is heart attack in a wrapper. Whatever. Because it's like 31 sausage patties. <laughs> but, dude, when you feel that cholesterol dripping down your throat. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like 26 seconds of ecstasy. I'm Shiva, the god of death. Are we talking about eating food? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm telling you the extreme sausage it's sandwich. Good. It's good. It is the best. It is the best sausage sandwich in the breakfast game. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that, but I'm I I'm taking the burger over the sandwich, dude. You I'm know. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh no, listen. And we've been on the record about this. Now, five guys and super chicks are not fast food. Those are different experiences. I'm telling you the number six combo at Jack in the Box Bomb. it could potentially be the best combo in all of fast food. Yeah, dude. Now having said that, having said that, we also got a lot of DM hate on McDonald's versus Burger King yesterday. Yes. And so apparently McDonald's is a big flipping deal in this town. Now, I've lived here for 10 years. I didn't realize McDonald's was such a big deal in this town. Right. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I have to tell you that, oh my, I, I am probably far more of a McDonald's fan than a Burger King fan. Right. But McDonald's burgers are not fantastic. No, they're not good at all. That's where Burger King takes the lead. But this is also the same thing as Wendy's. Because Wendy's is better than both McDonald's and Burger no. King. But Wendy's can't execute. Yeah. Okay, good Wendy's is. Good Wendy's The is, okay. Dave's Double yeah. Yeah. is better yeah. than any burger yeah. at Burger King or McDonald's. The problem is in Utah, they're all sloppily thrown together. So it's a mess. They put too much sauce and, and the vegetables aren't great. It's just... It's just not good. I would agree with that. But like you go to a different state and you get quality Wendy's. Okay, now we're having a different conversation. Now I can now I can consider killing myself with a Baconator, right? Like, come on. <laughs> I will never eat a Whopper in my life. No. I don't believe that I would ever eat a Whopper. Fat! Now, an ultimate cheeseburger? All day. Yes. But uh, see, for me, Jack in the Box is I need, I need the number six combo meal with two tacos and a large fry. You give me that with a with a monster and a rock star, I'm good to go. 
Yeah, I, I think that go. I think that that's absolutely the case. Teddy Wayman, McDonald's and Burger King both suck. Wow, thank you. Thank I don't you. disagree with that, but they both also have diamonds in the rough. A purpose. If you're at McDonald's, you're getting breakfast because yes. the McGriddle or the the sausage McMuffin with egg. I mean, come on. Yeah. If there's no Jack in the box, you're going to McDonald's. Yeah. If you're getting a burger, you're going to Burger King, right? Because you're getting the double cheeseburger. Now, having said that, if there are other choices, if there's a Beto's around, I'm going to Beto's. I'm getting a breakfast burrito. But Beto's isn't readily available, and it takes a long time. Yeah. I'm not saying either one is quality. I'm not saying either one is quality. Uh, Alex Chacon says, only good thing about McDonald's is their fries. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. I am not a McDonald's fry guy. Wow, okay. Tanner Plummer, the last thing I'll say, McDonald's sucks. Really? That's fucking interesting, man. Okay. Uh, Brent Burnett, have you tried Arby's Burger, Tanner? I have not tried. I and I haven't been to an Arby's in I don't know how long. Okay. I have not been to Arby's in, I don't know. Have I ever, I've had to have eaten at Arby's at some point. I would have to be. I would have to have. Um, let's see. Eminem says Jack in the Box is needed in Utah. It, and it's coming to Saratoga. Saratoga. I want it. They're coming in a big way. Trust me. Uh, Greg Hale. I refuse to go to McDonald's or Burger King. Five Guys or my own smoked burgers is all I eat. Oh, well, your own hamburgers. smoked well, burgers is on, a different bro. conversation. Bro, I mean, settle down. Yeah. Settle Don't down. Don't even get me started with burgers on the smoke. We're burgers. talking about times of desperation. Yeah. Right, where you know that your arteries are not clogged and you're desperate to put some plaque in those arteries. I want it. So you're going to go to Burger King or McDonald's, right? Yeah. We're talking about times of desperation. Times where you're like, oh, there's a Taco Bell. Yeah, but there's a Burger King. And everybody's going to Burger King instead of Taco Bell. Right. Right? I, I think that matters. Eric C., I'm going to have to DoorDash Jack in the Box this morning. You will. By the way, did anybody see DoorDash laid off a bunch of people? Yeah. Not good. Are we eating out more or less? Or Because the pandemic obviously was a boom for the food delivery. Right, right. I haven't used Grubhub or DoorDash or Uber Eats. And I used it yesterday. You, oh, that, you got Betos. Who did you use? DoorDash. You used DoorDash. Yeah. I haven't DoorDashed or Grubhubbed in... Yeah. Yep. Probably a year. It's been a minute. Maybe less than... And we did, we did Super Chicks once. I can't remember when that was. Yeah. Not, not recently. Not recently. Yeah. Um, Brent Burnett says, Arby's rocks with free food and a real bur uh, burger Wagyu. You get free food? I didn't know that. Uh, but Burger King has French toast. Ooh. French toast six, yeah. I do love French toast. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, I went to Jack in the Box once in the 90s, and, well, let's just say I've been dealing with E. coli ever since. Come on. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Talking with Raphael podcast. McDonald's hash browns are good. Best in the business. But see, here's the question. Do you want like the hash brown patty? Or do you want like at Burger King, they have the tater tots. tot hash brown? I thing. like the tots more, but I wish the, their tots had the McDonald's quality. Okay. Uh, San Diego State says sourdough and cheese jack from Jack in the yes. Box was at the apex. Yes. Until they changed the special sauce on it a number of years ago. Can't say I've ever had one. But I'll take your word for that. Yeah. Lopes fan Gabe, McDonald's isn't really that good. It's just consistent. Ooh, that's true. You know you're getting consistent. Yes, yeah, so you know what you're getting. 
I know what easy, mediocre thing everyone in our family will eat when they just need to eat something on the go. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Oh, God, here we go. Amber, I don't know the answer to this question. Whoa, 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 Amber says. Is it Batos, Batos, or Beto's? I've been saying Beto's my whole breakfast burrito loving life. <laughs> we vacillated back and forth on the this. machinations of Beto's and Beto's. And if we could have one of our friends from the Latin community correct us again. Yes, please. I think it's Beto's, but I always say Beto's. <laughs> Amber, you're probably right. You're yeah. smarter than me. You know, you're, you're smarter than me. So, uh, Jeremy Bolton says, my family and I call McDonald's hash browns diarrhea discs. Wow. Sorry, I thought you said diarrhea discs. Well, and the other thing is. Like, what am I even supposed to say to that? The only fast food I've really, and again, it's not really fast food. The only thing I eat consistently is super chicks. Yeah. But like yesterday, I got to tell you, Mo Betta's is fast food. And it's but a better quality good. of fast How about food. That? Dude. Mo Betta's is, if you want comfort food, my God. Yeah. My God. My God. Eminem says, uh, like the video, we are all, we are truly talking about the need for Jack in the Box. We yeah, are. Yeah, dude, like the video. Let's go. We are. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys got to like the video. Uh, we've had over 1,000 views and only 65 I mean, likes. I, I know that we're woke and, you know, everything, woke. but like the video, okay? You know. Requen says, I love when you guys speak about fast food as if it's uh, gastronomy. It is. Yeah. It's, you know, well, that's gastrointestinal. He said gastronomy, which is like high end. It's different. That's a different gastro. That's not the same gastro. That's a very different gastro. I don't know what you're talking about, all right? <laughs> Justin Salas says, I'm in Texas. I can tell you the local Wendy's can't execute it's so either. It's so frustrating. It is bro. disappointing. It's so frustrating. It is disappointing. It, it is. It is very disappointing. All right, we got to um, go, bro. Wait, there's custom burgers? Our NBA buddy says there's custom burgers on a secret menu at McDonald's. Is that true? Well. He says he gets double whoa, cheeseburgers whoa. with barbecue Sources. sauce. Sources. Sources say that you can get a double cheeseburger with barbecue sauce. Okay. Because the McRib is back. So you can get a double cheeseburger at McDonald's with barbecue sauce. Uh, I, is that I, true? I, I would rather go to Super Chicks. Honestly, I would, I would, I'd rather go to But Super again, Chicks. if you are forced into the rectal situation of going to Sorry, McDonald's. I thought you said rectal. Rectal situation. If you are forced into the rectal situation of going to Suck McDonald's. You, <laughs> maybe I'll try that. Love HelloFresh. Yes. Yes. HelloFresh is good. San Diego State Aztec says, at the age of 59, I try to go to Subway during those times of desperation. Emphasis on try. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. Uh, Cody said, not going to lie, uh, that Mick bitchin' is fire and can't be beat. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Amber Spencer says, blah. <laughs> Truth. Um... Talking with Raphael says Betos, You're not LOL. helping the cause, bro. What is I it? I need you to give us a straight answer. That, what is it? Amber Spencer, Jeremy Bolton says, Amber Spencer, you're not alone. Betos is how the Spanish speakers say it. <laughs> okay, Ron says, Hector's uh, uh, was the best. 33rd South, 30th East. 
He closed three weeks ago. Sad. If you don't know of Hector's, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Eminem uh, says Mo Betta's is bomb. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says it's Bat-O's. I majored in Spanish and went to Uruguay on my mission. You did. Dude, is there anything you don't do? Like you, you're Mr. Yeah, dude, you're really you're like, really starting to piss me you off speak with your excellence. Spanish, you eat all this junk food and you're not fat. Well, like, you know, come on. And I also walk old ladies across the street. And there was this time a couple of weeks ago where I saw a kid crap his pants, and so I wiped his ass too. Like it's just something that I was called to do from my internal machinations. Dilly dilly. <laughs> Yeah, Jeremy Bolton, go, please go kick a puppy or something. Be normal. That's right, T. Good Lord. Uh, Christopher Leal says, bet O's, the word bet and then the, the O. <laughs> <laughs> uh, donut star and Draper, Eric C. Don't, dude, why? Any good, oh, because Eric C says, any good donut place recommendations? Oh, okay, I thought I thought Teddy was just trying to Oh, Teddy it. Wayman, by the way, there, I have an issue in my house. Oh, God. There's like a bulging wall in my shoe room, like just out of nowhere. So now I'm going to have to get the Waymans involved. Uh, San Diego State says, Jack in the Box, I know who Rodney Allen Rippy is. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Uh, it's a mom and pop, Teddy. Those are the best. Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, yeah, they are. Uh, Brett Burnett says, when you guys go into Super Chicks, not soon enough. Yeah, seriously. Not soon enough. Uh, we had a great conversation. We were up there Saturday. Over the weekend, yeah. Um, and just we, we saw Michael, one of our listeners, Mike, was up there. Michael. Like, uh, We saw Rodney was up. We, like, we saw a bunch of our li- We just walked into Super Chicks the other night in Ogden. And, what, um, oh, my God, the owner's name just went right out of my Taylor. head. Taylor. Taylor, thank you. Hey, guys. Uh Taylor, like we sat and talked with Taylor for like an hour. We were just sitting there chilling, and people were like, "Hey, hi, hi, hey guys, hey. good folks." Go to the go to the Super Chicks on Riverdale Road in Ogden, in Riverdale. Technically, tell the guys at Kia 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 we said hello. Um, Jordan Brown says the biggest story in sports is the Utah Utes all day tomorrow. No doubt about that. Um, talking with Raphael podcast, Jeremy. Let's have some mate. Some what? You want to mate with Jeremy? What? I'm gonna get medieval on your ass. I don't know what you what you mean. Yerba mate? What is Yerba mate? He said Yerba mate's the best. He's uh Jeremy said talking with Raphael podcast, love me some good old Yerba mate. Dude, what I, is what, Yerba what, mate? Dude, is that like a what what, what are we talking about? Yerba mate. What the hell is Yerba mate? Yeah, Jordan Brown says are you guys going to uh, talk Pac-12 champ game tomorrow tomorrow morning 6 a.m. be here be square. We'll have a full preview for you. I don't know what that is. He says, ha ha, it's tea. Is that like ayahuasca? Yeah, this is, it's like, yeah. Is that ayahuasca? Tea in a can, yeah. Why don't, why don't we get Aaron Rodgers on the line? Ayahuasca. I don't, I'll just keep saying that. Cody says, Monty, the bulge in your wall is where Nike is keeping all their size 15s at, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like, it's at the top of a wall, like, and I'm, I'm terrified. It's a load-bearing wall. I know that already. And there's just a little, like, bulge in it. Yeah. Like, and I don't remember it being there. I mean, I've owned the house three years. I don't remember it being there. I'm terrified like my roof's going to cave in. I don't know. You know. Okay. Uh, Jordan said, no, are you guys going to the game? We are not going, no. to, the, going to the game. No. We are going to the mountains to snowboard. That's where we're going. The Monty Show is presented by the Advocates, Utah Advocates, uh, the best injury attorneys in the business. They're now open for business in Phoenix. For all of our Arizona listeners, our number two market, by the way, outside of uh, Utah, 
is Phoenix, Arizona by far. Uh, check them out online, theadvocates.com. Uh, if you've been in Iraq, a lot of snow here in Utah. If you're getting in an accident, make sure you call the advocates or just check them out on their website, theadvocates.com. They have a cool little free chat feature. You can talk to an attorney right there live on the website, theadvocates.com. Back tomorrow morning at 6. Until tomorrow morning, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.